around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, and of course, if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, my name is Ryan Lavoy. I'm the host of this fine program. Today, I've got Cam Berry with me as we go over all the big matchups in college football coming up this weekend. Of course, bye week for the Auburn Tigers. So no Auburn to primarily discuss, but of course we will have uh, a a bunch of preview of the SEC games and of course of all the other college football games going on in the country here this uh, this weekend. There are some top twenty five matchups. There are some big SEC matchups within those matchups, and so we'll discuss all of them here this afternoon. If you want to give us a call today, three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally. Or toll free one triple eight nine at Tiger Nine to join the conversation here this afternoon. Again, no Auburn game unfortunately this weekend, so not another big game to prepare for. Although we'll certainly be having eyes on the LSU and Missouri game as that will be the next opponent for Auburn will be at LSU, and so we'll uh, we'll also be broadcasting that game on FM Talk ninety three point nine. So don't want to. Leave that out. That won't be at 11 a.m. tomorrow. But again, Ryan Lavoie and Cam Berry with you here for three hours this afternoon. Cam, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm pretty tired, but uh, surviving. Uh, doing, you know, it's a Friday and, and no Auburn game this weekend, but I do have to look forward uh, to watching my Falcons at the very least. And uh, we'll be doing that on Sunday for sure. But uh, yeah, I'm doing great and uh, just been pushing through a lot of a lot of hard work this week. In all honesty, been getting up at two thirty every day, so um, just just making my way day to day and excited for a Saturday that I don't have to get up really really early in the morning. So I'm doing really good. Uh, can't wait to talk all things sports with you, Ryan, and uh, get things going. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of big matchups to talk about. Again, this weekend, getting towards the halfway point of the college football season. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Again, it, it flies. It really does fly. It really, really does. Uh, so some teams in their sixth matchup of the year this weekend. There's some top 25 games, like I mentioned. A lot of them involve some SEC teams or future SEC teams, such as Oklahoma and Texas. And Cam, when you look at the, the college football landscape here uh, through the first five, six weeks of the season – uh, what do you standing out there towards the top in terms of teams that you think are national title type of teams, playoff contenders, that sort of thing? There's definitely some teams that are that are perennial in terms of you know probably going to return back to the playoff. Uh, it kind of seems like oh, Ohio State's rolling pretty well. Same with uh, UGA. They did they 
you know, the dogs have kind of struggled a little bit. They, they just kind of seem like they're having a slow start. They are not as talented as they have been in the past couple years, but they still seem like they're going to be a relatively solid title contender. Texas seems like they've become extremely legitimate under Steve Sarkeesian. It seems like everything's really clicking for them. Uh, and, and they're firing on all cylinders as well as Michigan. They're, they're, uh, they've, they're, you know, doing what Michigan does Harbaugh, you know, in his four game absence, the team still was able to find ways to win and uh, win the win the game. So uh, he's back coaching and everything, and and they seem to be uh, rolling nice and smooth. So uh, yeah, those are really my four right now. Uh, Florida State looks like they could. They kind of need to you know figure a couple things out here and there, um, maybe on the defensive side of the ball. But their offense looks like it's one that could definitely win win you a, a title. I'm not sure if they'll. Uh, sustain that but they definitely seem like a solid team as well so those are really the five right now that I'm thinking are are truly contenders for the title um, you know two big two big 10 teams no uh, just one SEC team which is Georgia and then that's definitely a bit of a, a surprise as we kind of thought that maybe uh, there'd be another one but just the, the SEC has been relatively weak this year uh, not not very not many teams making any truly strong cases you thought maybe LSU but uh, they've struggled a little bit as well they have now two losses the one against FSU and then uh, the last weekend against Ole Miss um, so they they haven't seemed um, you know like they're going to be able I mean they've got two losses now so they're probably not going to be able to get there um, even if they were to win the SEC probably if they were to get get out of the west so um, yeah, the, those those are the five teams that I'm I'm thinking are really title contenders, and and that's about it. In all honesty, we'll have a lot of thoughts throughout the day here on the college football landscape, and again on all the games coming up this weekend. But we also want to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. So let's get to it for the first time today: three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free. One triple eight nine Tiger Nine. First up this afternoon, Real Deal from Coosa County. Real Deal is with us. Real Deal, how are you this afternoon? All right, man. Just kind of down and out. You know, had a uh, major knee surgery just a couple weeks ago, but you know, I'm up and about. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And I was kind of tore up about the uh, Six Million game and the uh, Georgia game. I'm gonna just. Give you guys my comments and a few questions that I'm going to just hang up and get your comments. One thing I didn't like about Auburn in the Georgia game, I would have had somebody on front bars the whole game. Georgia, like, like I've told you guys before, I felt like I'm in the Kool-Aid. If Kentucky played the way they can play, they should beat Georgia. Georgia is playing on bothered time. They're not that good. I noticed the Auburn game, they went to seven receivers, Brock Biles is really the go-to man. What I didn't understand about Auburn, they should have kept somebody out from Brock Biles the whole game. And I don't like that one play they always do. It was four for one, and we went for it, and we got on a shotgun, and the ball was snapped too high, and they stopped over. Why don't who freeze let the quarterback get up under the center and just push forward? I mean, that, that to me, was inexcusable. And all the defense, I feel, now can just play with anybody in the country. That's including Alabama, anybody. 
Now, Alabama done some things that Auburn should have did. I mean, you know, try some, man, besides just, you know. To me, we don't have any true wide receivers. And uh, that, that pass, you know, he only passed to a little wide receiver kid. I don't know his name, but he let the Georgia player script the ball. I mean, those kind of plays, you know, you should hold on to the ball. And uh, I understood there was a whole lot of recruits was there. And uh, I'm going to hear about that and y'all comments about the game. And more Eagle, I'm going to hang up. I know you got other calls. Yes, sir. We, we appreciate that yes, phone call. Sir. Real deal. That's real deal from Coosa County. Man. Joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Cam, want to give us your yeah. thoughts? Yeah. So I actually completely deal, uh, agree with you, real deal, with the with the fourth and one call and, and Peyton Thorne not being under the center. I felt like a QB sneak would have been the more successful play there, in all honesty. I know the snap ended up high, but I'm with you. The, the snap shouldn't have needed to have been high. If he's just under the center and you push forward on a fourth and one, I think your chances of getting it are, are pretty decent. So uh, I, I fully agree with you there. Uh, you know, not having a true wide receiver. You know, Jay Fair is a pretty solid wide receiver, I would say, pretty pretty good as well. And and also, you know, you have Rivaldo Fairweather. I know he classifies mainly as a tight end, but, you know, he's just a really, really big receiver. Um, but I and I also agree with the de- about the defense. I think they are able to play with just about anybody in the country. Uh, I know they they don't you know get a lot of sacks and, and things like that, but they do create pressure. Um, Ron Roberts has been able to be creative on the on the defensive line and and get uh, at least get to the quarterback and make the quarterback make bad decisions. I think that played a part in why Carson Beck or. Yeah, Carson Beck ended up throwing the interception, uh, and Jalen Sinsom just also made a spectacular play. Um, but yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. Real deal, man. It, it, I, I wish you uh, Peyton Thorne had been under center there uh, because then you, I, I think you're able to punch it in the end zone, and then maybe we're talking have a, we're having a completely different conversation here uh, regarding the Georgia game. My problem with that sequence was not being under center or shotgun or either side of that equation. My problem was that you had Robbie Ashford come in the game and uh, have two rushes for nine yards involving his package and then put Thorne back in to then run run the ball twice with, with no passing option or that sort of thing. And I, I think that they overdid the thinking part of it where they in their head were probably thinking, oh, well, you know, if we put our – quote-unquote throwing quarterback back in, then that will give Georgia something to think about. They might commit one less to the box. We might be able to run it that way. And that was just completely overthinking. And I think that, that Ashford's package clearly worked on Saturday against Georgia. And that in that situation, if they had just done some sort of option there or design run even with Ashford, whatever, uh, Georgia was having a problem with that part of it uh, on Saturday. And so... Uh, I, I understand that that is a, a big talking point all the time with quarterbacks being under center on third and fourth and short and, and trying to push for a yard. I, I think it's pretty good proof that play works more times than not. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think that what I, I would explain it from a coach's point of view, I think their pride gets on the line. And I think that if it doesn't work and they did that, then they feel way worse about that than opposed to not having a, a, a regular play drawn up and then it not working. But it's also I, I will say that it's it's not always that simple when you're when you're facing a great defensive line. And uh, I, I saw several NFL teams, because I know this is a talking point in the NFL, 
that that play should be outlawed the the push the quarterback and I watched push, two push. and I watched two or three NFL teams not get it yeah on fourth and short because Patriots the secret yeah the yeah. secret is you've either got to be facing a defensive line that's not great in the interior or your offensive line can at least get six inches of like push a truly because dominant O line sure yeah. and, and that's why Philly it works ninety nine percent of the time because their the O line's one. awesome yeah and their quarterbacks the mobile it, it, it's it's perfect storm yeah. for them but if your line's not perfect or their line's awesome like Dallas's versus New England's when that happened then you've got a chance to fail on that play and again I still think it's a high percentage play I still think that you should be trying to do that more times than not yep. uh, but I certainly don't think it's a hundred percent play and is a guarantee that sort of time so uh, I wish someone would deep dive maybe pro football focus or somebody would have the numbers on QB sneak versus anything else on fourth and short uh, be, just to see what the differences are, but again, my my biggest issue with that sequence was the the dynamic of ha- putting Astrid in for a run package, getting nine yards in two plays, and then pulling him to still do the same things you would have done with him in there. Uh, because even just George, even if you end up handing the ball off, the, the, when Astrid's in there, you the defense accounts for an extra rusher. Yeah. They account for Astrid. They did not account really at any point for Peyton Thorne. That's nope. why he got the 60-yard run the first half. He didn't get too many more big runs after that. I think he still had about, if you take that out, you would have had about 30 yeah. positive yards on the day. So still scrambles. something. Yeah. But, um, you know, they, they really still did not respect that part of it at any point. And so just having Astrid out there, it makes one more body at the line of scrimmage account for something other than the running back. So... Yeah, that would be my my argument there. And I know that Real Deal also brought up the the Georgia and Kentucky game. And I we talked a little bit about it yesterday. I think two things can be true, and especially this week. I absolutely agree that Georgia is not the Georgia of last year, and I've said that throughout this week. They are not the dominant force. No. When Georgia played a meaningful game last year, they won by 20-plus points every single time except the Ohio State game. SEC title game, the Oregon game, the TCU game. Uh, Tennessee game, I guess, it became a 14-point game late, but they had them nearly shut out the whole game. Yep. You know, th- that that team was was something of a different cloth, and this team is not that. However, as it pertains to the Kentucky game, I don't think Kentucky has the the horses able to go into Athens and win that game. I just don't. I think that yeah. I think that Kentucky is a very well coached team. I think Mark Stoops has done a really good job uh, in terms of getting these these classes that are okay. Uh, comparatively speaking for the country because they'll still end up in the top 25 or top 30. But we know from the one or two week Auburn classes that if you're going to be in the 20s, you're going to be like 9th or 10th or 11th in the SEC. And clearly they still beat some of those teams uh, in the SEC. And so they're very well coached. It's not about that, though, for me. It's about that every single guy that Kentucky's going up against for the most part is a higher rated dude than they are. And at some point, to be able to get the push you need, to be able to make the athletic plays you need, at some point, uh, it's just going to be 
be difficult to make the plays when you need to make them on, on Georgia's defense. I think the ray of hope for Kentucky is that you did just witness Auburn run the ball for over 200 yards on Georgia for the first time since 2018, or at least the best rushing output since 2018. That is a positive. Kentucky ran it really well against Florida. But when you look at these matchups, and I just went back to it, to be fair, Georgia usually does not score a lot on Kentucky. However, Kentucky usually scores next to nothing on Georgia. Dating back to 2017, here are the point totals for Kentucky. 13-17-0-3-13-6. And so while I think that Georgia will not score 40 points or anything like that, I don't think Kentucky's scoring more than, than 13, 14 points. I don't think they're getting out of the teens. And so if they're not getting out of the teens – that's still a pretty low bar to clear for a Georgia team that will ultimately still be at home. And I think Beck did a lot of nice things against Auburn. Now, you could say that they miscovered Brock Bowers, and that is certainly part of it, but also Brock Bowers is really good. He made one or two contested catches. Some crazy ones. And, and, well, he made a crazy one didn't count, too. Oh he made gosh. that one-handed catch yeah. up for 20-some yards didn't count because uh, of a penalty. And so at the end of the day, even though Mike Bobo might try to mess it up, <laughs> they will still find Bowers at some point, and they will still make their big plays when they need to at some point. So I don't have a great feel on what the exact margin will be, but I do feel pretty confident in saying that Kentucky will not get out of double figures, uh, or get out of the teens, and therefore uh, Georgia will have a, a pretty clear path to victory there. So while I do not think as of right now, and I said this in the preseason, although I've been wrong about some other things, I, I wouldn't take Georgia to win the title. No, I would not. It, it's too hard. They do look like they've lost something this year. I wouldn't do that. But I still absolutely think they're winning the East, and I still think they'll make the playoff in some form or fashion, whether they end up winning the SEC title game in 11-1 and or go 12-0 and and it doesn't really matter what happens to them in the SEC title game. Because a team like Tennessee loses to Florida – a team like Ole Miss scores 10 on Alabama. What defense plays the most like Alabama? Georgia. Georgia's defense does. And so I still have my concerns about Georgia ultimately even losing a game in the regular season. But I certainly – I think we all have seen enough to know that they don't have that extra gear right now that last year's team did. So, uh, you know, look, I, I, I certainly hope Kentucky gives them a great game and, and beats them. But I just don't think Kentucky's the right style of team because Kentucky still, even though with the transfer of Devin Leary, they still like to run the ball more than they like to throw it. And they ran it incredibly well against Florida, but Georgia's a completely different animal. And I just don't think that you can be bogged down running, trying to run 40 or 50 times and get everything you need to get on Georgia. Auburn just tried it, and they were damn near close, but Auburn still needed another play here or there and so is Kentucky the team that make that extra play or two? Again, on the road, that's where I just have my limitations of them being able to do it in Athens. We're going to take our first time out of the program. When we come back, more college football, more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. Sports call returns in a moment.
another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan Boy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon. Glad to have you along for the ride here as we talk all things college football. So trying to have some time for a brief Braves Phillies preview too as they get going in the postseason this weekend with game one of the NLDS in Truist Park tomorrow evening. But for now, let's go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good at War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that we have a big uh, bye week this weekend, so no Auburn football for us. But I'm just going to actually be sitting back and watching some of our rivals that we're going to be playing uh, next couple of weeks as well. Yeah, again, uh, certainly LSU in a, a pretty big game, a top 25 matchup against Missouri this weekend. I know Ole Miss, who's the opponent after LSU for Auburn, they got Arkansas, and and uh, yeah, no, absolutely still a lot of football to watch. Yes, that's all, because I'm going to be watching that uh, Missouri and LSU game as well, because I think Missouri, I, I'd probably say they're going to uh, come out with a, with a good uh, win uh at home against uh lsu and I, I don't see lsu winning on the road against missouri yeah we'll see i think that's a that's one of the tougher ones to predict of this weekend i think coming into the season that would have been a no-brainer for lsu but obviously they've not played well and missouri got that big win over kansas state earlier so that one is uh, really too tough to tell yes as well and then with the uh, college football this weekend i have two college football games i'm going to be watching today I have uh, I have Howard University actually playing uh, in tonight's game, so I have Howard University actually uh, winning because this one is a really good game. I have, this will be my first time ever seeing Howard play during the week on on Friday, so I'm just going to see how their how their record is going to stand after this game is said and done. Sure, yeah, no, I've uh, no no idea on that front, so I'll uh, I'll take your word for that. Yes, as well. And then with the other games tonight, I have um, Indiana um, playing tonight because I know um, this one is like really, it's going to be a really good game. And then I think before the game actually starts, they're going to do a moment of silence for one of the great uh, NFL players that passed away yesterday, uh, Dick Buckus. He passed away at the age of 80. And um, I think they're going to give him a, a, a standing uh, moment of silence for what he's done for the uh, University of Indiana as well. Yeah, very uh, very sad news. Certainly a legend of the, the sport of football passing away yesterday. And you can see that his uh, NFL franchise, the Bears, played very inspired last night. And, uh, yeah, sad news about Dick Butkus. Yes, that's all because I, I didn't see the game uh, last night between the Chicago Bears and the Washington Commanders, but I did have 
the uh, Chicago Bears winning that one, so I'm very happy that I picked them uh, to win that game last night because, you know, with, with me, um, you know, knowing some of these NFL uh, Hall of Famers, I, I just had to pick uh, the Chicago Bears uh, to win, so I'm very happy on that one as well. And I, I'm going to just see what the, what the Chicago Bears are actually going to do uh, this weekend as well, and maybe they're going to make it to the Super Bowl as well. Yeah, I don't think they'll be making the Super Bowl this year, but uh, they're certainly trying to build for the future, and it's nice to see Justin Fields playing well the last couple weeks after a really rough start to the year. He'd been playing poorly, so uh, Bears feel much better about that. They'll still own Carolina's pick, so they'll have an excellent opportunity to be picking at the top of the draft. And uh, Yeah, no, much uh, much improved Bears team these last two weeks. Yes, that's well. And then with uh, the, the postseason that's going to be played tomorrow, I'm just going to see how Philadelphia is going to hold out against Atlanta. So I think this will be Atlanta's uh, first loss of the postseason. Um, Philadelphia looks like a good team that might make it to the World Series. I'm not quite sure. I don't want to put uh, I don't want to put Philadelphia in the World Series just yet. So I just have to see how they're uh, how how they're going to actually play to, tomorrow as well against uh, Atlanta as well. Yeah, I believe the other day you said it'd be a Braves Rangers World Series. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I st- I would still let, let's still keep with that prediction because we like that one better. Yes, as well because um, I'm actually seeing uh, I- I'm actually feeling a Texas Rangers Atlanta Braves World Series, but I just have to see how things are and when they show the uh, the bracket. After the after the first game is over, then I'll just see where my Texas Rangers will move to next. After we after we are said and done against Baltimore Orioles as well, so I just have to see where who we play next in our in in the in the bracket as well. Sure. So it's it, it's going to be a tough road for my Texas Rangers, but I got them right where I want them as well. Sure. Yeah. No, I can already uh, I can already tell you the bracket that if the Rangers beat the Orioles in the series. They would play the winner of the series between the Houston Astros and Minnesota Twins. Yes, as well. So I'm going to be watching that one as well. And I think I have the Minnesota Twins actually beating the uh, World Series champ, the Houston Astros. So I'm just going to see how that actually changes. But if it doesn't, then I'll just see, you know, if my Texas Rangers don't make it to the World Series this year, I just have to probably find another team to root for. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I wouldn't have to. I wouldn't say you have to root for a different team. I mean, only one team can win each and every year, so there'd be a lot of, a lot of changing fan bases there. But I think the Rangers have had a pretty good year, and I think I think no matter how they they end up, they've they've definitely had a year that was better than maybe what was predicted earlier in the season. So they've had a pretty good year. Yes, as well. And then on Saturday. I'm actually going to be watching the uh, Texas Longhorns and the Oklahoma Sooners. And with this big game being said, I would like to have some uh, rivalry trivia as well for this big game that's going to be coming up uh, this weekend as well. All right. We'll, uh, we'll get that to you here in, uh, in just a second. Obviously, that one is one of the uh, bigger matchups in the sport. It's been a great rivalry for quite some time, and, and obviously that will add a lot to the uh, SEC uh, as obviously those were the two best Big 12 programs, and uh, I, I know that that will be a, a great rivalry to add. So we'll start you off with this one. 
James, who leads the all-time series between Oklahoma and Texas? I would actually have to say that we go to the Texas Longhorns as well. Very good. Uh, 50-50 shot at that one, and you got it. Texas leads the all-time series 63-50. to uh, So that's a, uh, that's a good start right there. Another one, this one's going to be kind of tough, uh, but w- w- we believe in you. So this game has been played in Dallas, Texas for an incredibly long time. It's actually been, and I'm just now learning this as I look this up, it's been exactly uh, 100 years since this game was played in the regular season somewhere other than Dallas. So back to 1923. Do you remember where it was last played other than Dallas? Um... 1923. Yep. Um, I would have to say, was it in Oklahoma? Close. That was in 1922 when it was played in Norman, which is the home of Oklahoma. In 1923, though, I'll give you a hint, it obviously has a lot to do with the University of Texas. Um, I would have to say that will be in Austin. There you go. Yep, 100 years ago, last time in the regular season, it was not played in Dallas, and it was played in Austin. Very good. And then the last question for you, James, is, uh, of course, last year we had a very big discrepancy between the two teams. Do you remember the score of last year's game? Mm, of the Red River rivalry last year. Um, I would have to say that would be Texas 34, Oklahoma 22. So you got the correct uh, or correct team winning, but it's a much bigger margin than that. It was a blowout. Um, I'll have to say 34, Texas to Oklahoma 28. No, so I'll give you a hint that this was the largest margin of victory in this game since 2003 when Oklahoma won 65-13. to 13. Um, hmm. um, a, a lot of points to not many points at all. Because I know they showed it um, when they did the, uh, the highlights from last year's game. Um, I know this one. Um, I, I'll just have to say, I I give up. It's all right. It was forty nine to zero. It was an absolute blowout. Oklahoma did not even score forty nine to zero. Wow! Wow, indeed. Yeah, it was. Uh, again, it was the most decisive victory in the rivalry game in twenty years. And uh, the last time someone was shut out, it was uh, 2004 when it was 12 to zero. So it checked a lot of boxes. Has not been done in, in two decades. Yes, yeah, so because I know when they always do this um, Red River rivalry, I know a lot of different other rivalries that are very similar. I know Texas A uh, and M and Arkansas do their own uh, their own little rivalry thing, and then I know LSU. And uh, I think it's LSU and TCU. I think they do like the – I think their rivalry is like the battle of like a, a highway bridge or something like that. Oh, uh, not quite. Uh, LSU and TCU don't have a rivalry. LSU and Arkansas plays for a golden boot. 
uh, each each year. And uh, I, TCU, I think I, I don't know they're all their rivalries. They might have one with SMU or that sort of thing. But yeah, no LSU LSU has a, a couple in the SEC, and one of them in particular is against Arkansas. Yeah, because I know when they do when they actually do the uh, the when LSU and Arkansas actually play, I was wondering. I mean, I know it's like right, like side by side, like you know, a two state difference. But when they always get the trophies, I always think to myself, who's going to get the trophy this year? Will it be Arkansas or LSU? And I didn't know that that was a rivalry thing. I, I thought that was something made up or something as well. Yeah, not quite. I mean, they've been playing uh, off and on since 1901, and uh, that that's been going on a long time. That battle for the boots, so. Uh, or battle for the golden boot but uh yeah no that's been a big rivalry well james do you have any final thoughts for us today before we have to let you go for the weekend well the only final thought that i actually have is i would like to see auburn beat alabama this year for the iron bowl and actually do a blowout in jordan Hare stadium and i will be there for that game i will be actually watching that game um you know in auburn as well and i'm hoping that uh auburn will be Alabama this time around, and I might as well uh, roll some trees in Tumor's Corner as well for the victory. All right, so you're going to be in Auburn for the Iron Bowl then? Yes, I am indeed. Indeed, I am because this is um, one that's really uh, a really good rivalry that I've been watching ever since, and I would love to be there in Auburn and uh, rolling the Tumor oak trees as well. Absolutely, and of course those trees can be rolled now that uh, enough time has passed to grow the roots and that sort of thing. So uh, definitely hoping for that come the end of November. Yes, and War Eagle, and I'll call you all back on Monday as well. Have a great weekend, James War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us there on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to take our next time out of the show back with more right after this. know how easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn this is former auburn football player danny skutak and you are listening to the abby award-winning sports call auburn Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon. A few minutes left here in the first hour. Already talked a little college football here. 
We will get back to that in the second and third hours of the program. But can want to make sure we get in here for a few minutes some more uh, Braves as this is beginning to be the, the moments and games of decision this year with the Braves and the Phillies set for their NLDS Part 2. Braves losing to the Phillies last year in four games. Braves will play host on Saturday and Monday to the Phillies. This will be 5 o'clock start times roughly, uh, central time. Wednesday's game three in Philly be 4.07 Central. Thursday in Philly, if necessary, 5.07 Central. And then Saturday, next Saturday, 5.07 if necessary at Truce Park. So here we go. Uh, we talked a little bit about it on Wednesday. It will be a tough series. I look back at the games from my recollection earlier today from last year. And not competitive in Philly. They were no. competitive in Truist Park. Braves lost game one, seven to six. Matt Olson hit a three-run homer to make it close in the ninth. And the Braves won, I believe, three nothing behind the arm of Kyle Wright in game two at Truist Park. But then it was something like eight three, seven to one, yeah. something like that. And the two games at Citizens Bank Ballpark. Um, what, what do you see in this series? What 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 can Atlanta take advantage of? What what concerns you? So what I mean what I mean obviously Phil is going to throw out their best guys and their best arms uh so so we will be facing uh if I Zach Wheeler game 1 I think that's his name um and and he's a he's a pretty good pitcher really tough guy uh but I I I just think this Braves offense is just going to be able to prevail I know that they were decent last year as an offense but I think I mean they are substantially better as an offense this year uh, you, I mean, you got Ronald, and you, you know he he did what he did, and um, and then Matt Olson, you know, having breaking the franchise home run record, things like that. I mean, you you just can't really state how important um, they are over throughout the course of the season. And then also, I think that they've prepared differently. Uh, I think that that you know Philly came in and was continuing to. You know they were. I mean, they were coming off a previous series, and so the Braves didn't rest this time. They prepared differently. They they had the they held the open workouts and the the um, the intra team um, uh, games, things like that, to kind of keep everybody warm, keep everybody moving. Uh, it seemed like Max Freed is going to be able to pitch pretty well with the blister, and uh, Snicker said that that was going to be pretty good. I, I mean, I'm just concerned about the Phillies lineup, really. Uh, I mean, their their batting order is just. I mean, just as ridiculous as the Braves in terms of talent. Uh, just it seems like the Braves have just been able to hit better um, overall. But, I mean, the Phillies are, are just as talented uh, in their lineup. So uh, that's what, what concerns me. Um, I, I am glad uh, we'll be able to see Strider pitch. He has a pretty good history. I know in the playoffs last year he wasn't able to uh, have as good of a game, but he was coming off of an injury, so now he's healthy. I think that definitely played a big part in it. He hadn't pitched what well, last year. He hadn't pitched in in a while, a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. so I think that plays a huge a huge difference in uh, in how he's going to perform. I think he's going to be on his A game. He's he's only had that one loss against the Phillies uh, in his career, and 
I, I think that he'll be able to – I mean, he's been able to really dominate the Phillies and with a lot of strikeouts and just blow uh, pitches past, uh, past their guys. So I think that'll be a good one. And then Freed, being who he is, should, should uh, have a solid outing as well. So I'm not too worried. It's that game where we don't know who's going to pitch. Uh, since we don't have Charlie Morton, uh, the the that second game is definitely going to be a bit of a concern. Um, if you can, you know, just kind of get whatever you can out of whoever ends up being that starter, uh, you know, might end up being a bullpen game for the Braves, and and you don't want it to come to that, but it could just because you're trying to get you know, get out of that series as quickly as possible to get ready for the next one if you can win it. So uh, it'll it'll be interesting, but uh, it should be a good one. The Phillies are extremely talented, but I I'm personally want to beat them so bad. Oh, yeah. oh, I want to sure. beat yeah. them so bad just because Phillies fans have been talking like crazy on Twitter and just all types of junk. They're very confident, and, I mean, they should be. They have a very good team, but uh, the Braves are better. Uh, they shouldn't. They shouldn't be scared. You know, some people were saying. I mean, I do. I said I didn't want to face the Phillies, but now we are, and I want to beat them. I want to beat them real bad. So here we are. Um, I mean, just in terms of favorable matchup, the Marlins were the better matchup. Yeah. I mean, just. I mean, there's no way around that. And you want to have the easiest path possible, but the Braves have <laughs> the toughest path possible. So here we are. I mean, we're we're uh, facing the Phillies, and then if we if we go on, we might be facing the Dodgers. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, so, uh, that's kind of where I'm sitting at, but I, I'm confident that the Braves will be able to get this done in, in, in this series. I don't know how many games it'll take, but, um, you want to get it done as quickly as possible, especially with your pitching depth, not being as, um, as good, but, uh, your, your hitters should, should show up. That's where, I, that's what I'm, I, the hitters need to show up. That was kind of an issue last season as well. That the hitting kind of really faltered off. And I just don't see that with this team this year. Yeah, this I mean this Braves lineup has been historic. So, uh, you know, even with Philly's lineup being really good, Atlanta's is still the best lineup in baseball. It's just that if you went down to a normal A tier lineup, yeah. that's when Philly would fall. Right. And so it's not. I mean, it's a deep lineup with guys on the left-handed and right-handed side that can do damage. And I still have some quells about their lineup. I've I've argued that Schwarber should not be hitting leadoff for them all year. His on-base percentage is high because he takes a lot of walks, but having 40-something home runs with no speed in the leadoff spot is just still something I wouldn't be interested in. But, I mean, he does give you the same problems in terms of any any powerful hitter leading off that, like, you could very easily throw a cookie and be down one nothing and one at-bat. So, I mean, it it, it does achieve a purpose. I'm just not sure it's the best purpose for what they could do. But uh, even someone like Trey Turner, who does uh, supply their real speed, I mean, again, it it is a tough lineup, and it shifts right and left-handed bats throughout. I, I think that postseason baseball is so great because man and you have to i'm not i'm just, i'm gonna poke a little fun of it and i certainly understand why but postseason baseball makes managers become extra anxious extra and they manage pitching staffs in ways that you don't see all 162 games i mean it, everyone has the heebie-jeebies with the pitching staffs in the postseason and how these managers manage those pitching staffs is kind of how we determine kind of if they're great managers or not to be honest with you i think those the second guessing and all that those decisions when all of a sudden starters are being pulled in the third inning and and just ultimate panic goes on and so i portray that on to bryce elder because that would be the ultimate 
uh, nervous guy. Oh my there, gosh, yeah. Where you like, if Strider and Freed end up not pitching well, you're just going to be screwed. Like you need yeah. him to pitch well, you trust him to pitch well. Strider because of obviously, obviously the season in terms of strikeouts and wins, he won 20 games this year. But because of his success historically against Philly, aside from last postseason, and then Max Freed having just been your ace for multiple years now, like you need those two guys to work out. If they don't work out, then you're in big trouble, no matter who you play. Um, but Elder in Game Three, because that's when he's going to start, is going to be the fascinating conundrum. Because if the Braves are two zero, then they will be able to treat that like a regular season game. They oh, will yeah. be able to let Elder pitch, even through a run or two. And if they get behind early, gives up a four piece in the first inning, but they don't end up pulling him there, they can kind of ride it out for a few innings. And if they're if their bats get going, it gets competitive. Then you start the postseason, lefty righty, lefty righty, all that good stuff. But if you get down four or five runs. You might just ride them and right. say bullpen, all systems go for game four and game five. If you're down 2-0, Lord forbid, or, yeah. but, it, but more realistically, if it's tied 1-1, then that game gets managed completely different if you're up 2-0. Because like I said, if you're up 2-0, to some degree, you're willing to let Elder try to pitch out of jams because you want to see if you can rely on, on him in Later. the next round yeah. and save your best guys for these next two games if, if they're better, closer situations. But if you're 1-1, you can't just save it for next time. Like You start to get into overall panic mode. Real and if he's time. got... If he's giving up a run in the first inning and the bases are loaded in the second inning, the bullpen's going to start warming up. I mean, it may not come in if he gets out of it a certain way in the second inning, but I'm just telling you, like, that's how quickly things will progress. Yeah. Uh, and, and so game three will be the the weird one in terms of bullpen situation. But, I, again, I, I, I will pick the Braves. I will. I, I, they are the best team in baseball. That won't change if they end up losing the series somehow. But – the Phillies have the formula. They did it to Atlanta last time. I think Strider needs to set a tone in game one. It's going to be on his shoulders because he's the one that, that got had a letdown because of the coming off the injuries last year. And I saw something today that reminded us. Spencer Strider, when he gave up the three-run homer last year, to I believe it was Reese Hoskins, Yeah, that was the fourth slowest fastball of Spencer Strider's entire career. It oh, was yeah. 94 right down the middle. And so there's the oblique problem from last year. There's what happens when he's at 94 instead of 97, which he usually is. So if you have a healthy Spencer Strider, I do not expect to see what we saw last year. Dangerous. I do think the Phillies will at least get a game off Atlanta because Zach Wheeler is really damn good, and they do have big bats. Aaron Nola has pitched better in the month of September, too, and he'll be tough. Uh, But I'm still going to lean on Braves, but absolutely the Braves will get a full-fledged exam on the very get-go here in the postseason. We are out of time for hour number one. When we come back, more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line to start hour number two and more breakdown of some of these great college football games coming up this weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. 
Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of the show starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here for the full three hours on this Friday afternoon. Unfortunately, no Auburn game to preview, so we continue in just a few moments to preview all the various big matchups around the country. But as we lead off hour number two, let's go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 9 tiger 9 to join us today. Next up, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Well, I'm actually very relaxed. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing quite well. Good. So this will be a pretty much anxiety-free uh, uh, weekend for me. Uh, I'll be uh, watching some of the Braves games, other uh, games. So uh, thank you for that. Um, how you guys spend your weekend? Yeah, no, still sleeping. Well, <laughs> yeah, Cam's been uh, been doing two jobs here uh, quite frequently and, and doing a lot of hours. So he's he's going to catch up on Z's. I mean, I'm still going to watch all the college and pro football for sure. Uh, we still enjoy all of it. Yeah. Cam, how about yourself? Sleeping and watching <laughs> some sports. Yeah. I'll be watching some football, but I'll be doing a lot of sleeping. Okay, which games are you guys going to be mostly uh, uh, interested in watching and focusing on? I'll watch some Georgia-Kentucky. I'll definitely watch the Red River rivalry on Saturday. And then and then uh, when the Braves play at, at 5, I'll, I'll absolutely be watching that. Yeah, no, I, okay. I, all, I mean, all the national games are sure um, – and then I'll, I'll I obviously love North Carolina and UAB, so I'll be watching their games. And uh, yeah, no, I'll be watching most of it. I haven't heard you guys uh, say anything about watching the Alabama A and M game. Yeah, no, I'll be watching that one too. Yeah, yeah, again, I'll be. Let me try again. I'll be watching all of it. I'll be watching all yeah. of it. <laughs> I, I'm still suspicious about that two and a half point spread on Alabama. That seems rather low. Yeah, and it actually, it's back up to two and a half. But it actually went down temporarily to to one and one and a half yesterday. So, uh, oh, good no. okay. yeah. So now, but now two and a half feels like feels like a uh, a big spread compared to what it was this time yesterday. So, who are the Phillies going to be throwing uh, against uh, the Braves? Uh, do you know for the first uh, first game? I think it's going to be Jose Suarez, their their lefty, uh, who's still pretty good, but not as good as Wheeler and Nola. Um, because I, I just don't think they're going to go, they can't go Nola. That's too soon. And then I I think Wheeler on three days rest. I don't think they they feel the need to do that. They can still pitch him. It's a second time in the series in Game Five. So I think it's going to be Suarez. Um, but uh, but but still no official announcement yet. And the Braves, you think, or do you know who they'll be taking on? I would think it'd be highly likely that it would be uh, Spencer Strider. Uh, I'd know that in a normal series you might go freed, but coming off that injury or that that blister, uh, uh, t- coupled with um, just just the fact that Strider has had good success against. 
Philadelphia, I, I, I think it'd be Strider. Then uh, I do want to clarify something. I said Jose Suarez. It's a different different Suarez on a different team. It's Ranger Suarez. That's the the lefty for Philly, and and that would that would be who I think would be the guy to start it start it out for Philly. How much is uh, this a must win game or not for the Braves? I feel it's very important. I wouldn't go must win on the very first game of the series, but I with Wheeler definitely want that first win. With Wheeler probably not pitching and you being at home, uh, it is definitely in the need category. Uh, you you do not want to get behind because that's exactly what happened last year. The Braves lost game one, they recovered right. in game two, but then they couldn't win either of the two in Philly. So it's it's very important. I wouldn't go must win, but it's very important. Okay, well, I'm going must win, so they. Will have at least some some degree of confidence, you know. Uh, I guess because the Phillies, uh, as you said earlier in this week, you know, they 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 they're like you know, they uh, like they embrace uh, every time uh, they they play uh, the Braves. Like you know, we want them. You know, bring it on. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I'm just as this is must win game. Okay. Um, let's go on real quickly, guys, because uh, I know you guys are always giving me. Uh, more time than I need to, you know. Uh, about uh, our off uh, weakness right now, you know. I don't know what they're focusing on or not, but Jason Caldwell's Friday mailbag that I always read, uh, he had an interesting comment uh, based on one of the uh, uh, questioners on here. They asked him if we are only going to throw around ten passes a game. Now we've thrown more than ten passes a game, have we not? Yeah, I mean. Yes, but but in the Georgia game, I mean, it wasn't. Some of these Power Five games have not been too many more. But yes, ten's a little low. Anyway, they asked which quarterback would you think gives us the best chance of winning games this year. So, guys, I'm going to ask you the same question before I give you Jason Caldwell's answer. Yeah, I, I, I still think there's something within. Thorn that tells me that there's still a decent gap in what he could be as a passer than Ashford. Uh, we've yes. just not seen it. I I don't know because I think that you are probably best off, even though this is not some great strategy. I personally think that you need to be maximizing what you do in the run game, and it. I, I don't know if you can really have Ashford out there seventy five percent of the time. And then all of a sudden, here's Thorn for one throw. And then and then back out there. It's just we just it, it's tough to say, you know, ten toes down, Ashford, because I know what he is as a passer, and it's still below what I think Thorne is as a passer, and it's still a decent decent gap. But I think everyone can see Auburn needs to run the ball a lot, and maximizing the run game would be to put Ashford out there. So you know, I I. I've, I'm ready to see if they feel they can develop Thorne in the off week and have a plan that he can execute against LSU because I didn't think he was playing poorly against Georgia. Uh, we, we've said the bit all week about the catchable passes he threw uh, and, and he handled himself well. He made a few plays in the run game. So it, it was not a poor performance. It just didn't it didn't go above and beyond. It just didn't add a whole, whole lot. And so – Again, I can see the argument for Ashford because certainly you're trying to put together a complete run game, but I might be willing to do one more week of, of Thorne and see if, if he can make a few plays down the field against LSU. Okay. I uh, appreciate your, your comments on that. Um, my for whatever, uh, take for whatever counts uh, is uh, I, I just feel like the chances are 
uh, for me uh, for, for for our team to win uh, or with Thorn. I mean, we we see that he can he can run, and he actually threw some decent passes. Had some of our receivers actually caught them and not dropped them or contested them better. Uh, that's my take. And when you throw out Ashford, pretty much everybody knows, hey, he ain't gonna throw the damn ball. Right, but also I would say that that Georgia knew that in that package, in those couple packages on Saturday Still in Auburn scored. You know, yeah. you know, Ashford had a rushing touchdown, and they ran the ball effectively pretty much every time with him in there. So, uh, if you're if you're running it effectively in a, in a thirty yard window against Georgia, then I my my belief is that the offensive line is a pretty good run blocking line. And my belief is that you would be able to execute in most situations if, if you had to account for all parts of the run game, including the quarterback. Okay. Uh, I'm just still I'm, – I'm, I'm hanging my hat with uh, Thorne. I, I, I believe that he is capable of playing better uh, than he has uh, shown, and he's been limited. Uh, but anyway, Jason Caldwell said, if you're only throwing it ten times a game, then I would probably lead to Robbie Ashford. He said, tough to win if that's what you're doing, though. Yeah, I mean, it's an incredibly narrow path, I mean, for sure. And uh, with Thorne out there, though, I mean, again, if you don't see results soon, we might think for all the world that he throws a better ball, that he's more accurate, that sort of thing. But if you don't produce in the passing game, why are defenses going to respect that either? Uh, and, and if he's not proving to be able to take advantage of that, no matter what the defense does – the defense is just going to be hemming in on the run game and, and making Thorne beat him, and then Thorne's not going to beat him. So, I, again, I, I'm fine with Thorne for for another game here, but they've got to have a 100-yard passing. Like, they've got to have a few passes down the field because if you because what Jason said there I agree with. Like, if you are if, – if you're going to commit to an arbitrary amount of pass attempts and there's going to be something like 10 to 12, then – uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what Thorne would be doing out there otherwise then because Ashford's still clearly a better runner. Uh, and, and even with Thorne making a couple plays in the run game, well, like that, that didn't change. That, that, so, for, for example, if Georgia plays that, that 60-yard rush by Thorne, it's great as it is. This is not a criticism. It's 60 yards for crying out loud. But if Robbie Ashford gets that same blocking scheme, and he go around. He goes around the edge like that. It's a touchdown. It's not sixty yards. It's eighty something yards. It's a touchdown. So, uh, you know, again, I, 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 I'm like I said, I, I, the pendulum is swinging for me. I'm still very much open to another Peyton Thorne game, with the recognition that if you get to the halfway point this season and you've still not had a hundred yard passing game with your quarterback, then he ain't much of a passing quarterback either. And you might as well maximize what you know you're good at, which is the run game. All right. So a corollary to this uh, issue at the end of the call was said, even if you go with Robbie Ashley, he said it's tough to win if that's what you're doing. And so who is it going to be tougher to win with? Robbie? Peyton. Uh, t- uh <laughs> both, Tougher? both yeah, because both. <laughs> because you could say on, at face value you could say Auburn will be easier to defend because they will only be doing one thing and they will not even be attempting to pass the ball. Therefore, we're going to him in on the run game. You can say that. However, Auburn is a pretty good run team. Again, we talked about the Cal week. They ran the ball well. They just fumbled it all over the place. Their yards per carry was fine. 
against Texas A&M, they had some nice runs. They weren't able to stick with it the whole time. And then against Georgia, they had their best output, uh, or a Georgia defense gave up its worst output in five years. So there's good evidence to suggest this offensive line is doing a good job in the in the run block part of things, and that uh, the, the running backs are obviously talented enough to take advantage of it. And when you add a quarterback that can run into it, You've got all kinds of ways to run the ball. And so even that you are one-dimensional, you think that there will be enough times where Auburn will execute it so well to work anyway. So at face value, sure, uh, you know it would be harder to only do one thing, but because Auburn does that one thing so much better, even than when Thorne is in there as a passer, they, they do that run, run part of it so much better, it, it is hard to say that Auburn will take advantage of of the ability to throw the ball just because Peyton Thorne's out there. Because as we saw, a lot of it goes into, or excuse me, there's a lot that goes into it. And Peyton Thorne delivered, what, 16 catchable balls out of 19 and only 10 were caught. And so that the wide receivers have part of blame there. Offensive line is a better run-blocking unit than pass-blocking unit, so that puts them a little more susceptible. Like, like you, you still have to be able to actually throw the ball well. Just because you say that you can does not mean that you will effectively. So for that to work, you've got to actually have pass production. You've got to actually have 20 and 30-yard plays from time to time. Auburn's not had that yet. Well, with that said, if we're going to focus, obviously, and our identity is running the ball again, then we sure as heck better start making damn third down ones and fourth down one plays because we sure didn't do it against Georgia. Right, we didn't do it in that situation. But again, that if Ashford's out there, I just think the complexion of the run game changes, and you have to account. Like again, when you have a running quarterback, that means someone on defense is assigned to him at all times. When you have someone like Peyton Thorne out there, and I get that he ran for ninety yards, but you're not. If you're a defense, there's not every play you're assigning someone to the quarterback. And what that means is, even if it is a straight straight handoff, there is one more person when Robbie Ashford is in the game that is having to account for something other than the run with a running back than there is with Peyton Thorne in the game. That it just became becomes a different math equation on the numbers game, and so. I, like again, I'm with, I certainly have to execute third and fourth and one, but you put Peyton Thorne back in, and you still ran similar plays to what you would have with Robbie Ashford. My my tendency is to believe that with Robbie Ashford in there, all runs or can be more effective, not just the runs where Ashford actually keeps it. Okay, all right, fair enough. Another question was asked by uh, someone uh, chasing call today is, do we have any SEC caliber receivers? Uh, I think Jay Fair is SEC caliber yeah, uh, out of the slot. And then as far as that, I would say no. Maybe Fairweather still as a tight end. For, for a tight end, Fairweather, yes. But I, I've not seen enough out of Hooks, just to be quite frank. I don't get he, I don't think he gets the separation. He's having to make these wild catches, and he makes a couple of them, but that's not yeah, I'm, as – I'm glad you mentioned that. Right. All the preseason, all, all we were hearing was Hooks. Hooks. Right. Where the heck has he been? It's yeah, Camden Brown. Where they where, yeah, where they been? I, yeah, no, no. Hooks has not been great, and uh, Camden Brown's someone I'm disappointed in too because I I was definitely in the camp that he would end up having. Well, what explains the, the lack of? Uh, I mean, do uh, uh, I have unrealistic expectations? That was I gullible? What happened? No, I mean I think that we were optimistic and it it, it did not become the yeah. the best version of themselves, and they they did not live up to the potential. 
Uh, you know, I saw some good things out of Camden Brown, particularly in the Arkansas game last year. And I, I that that was just not enough sample size in in hindsight for him uh, to be a known commodity. And then he just did not live up to it this year, or has not so far. And then even someone like Nick Marner, who was you know six six guy, can you find a way to take advantage of that? Well, if he's never open, yeah. Other than like a goal line fade, I don't know what you're doing. You know what you're doing there. So. These guys have not stood out in any particular way, and so that's why you say no. They've they've not really become SEC receivers, at least not the highest level. I mean, Auburn's still going to run through some of the weaker defenses in the league here uh, in the next couple of weeks. They played two of what I think are probably the three or four best defenses in the league already. So I mean that that can skew things a little bit in, in one way, but but no I, I'm not sure that, that, that these guys are, are SEC caliber guys and and again I, I, I would be wrong on that because I, I thought coming in the year I was very optimistic about them. Okay uh, moving on real quickly um, today uh, Mr. Uh, Phil Marshall wrote a column uh, about all the changes coming on with the NCAA and uh, one of them uh, to me they, they mentioned that you know I, I know you guys are nowhere near as old as I am and I'm, I'm always harping on you know Hey, I'm going to miss some of these traditions, you know. And, um, you know, we've been playing LSU, much as I despise their fan base, uh, for 30 years. And we're not going to see them. They're not going to be a regular rival anymore. Um, that, to me, you know, is, is kind of, you know, just pretty sad. Uh, we lost a long time ago uh, annual rivalries that were, I mean, rivalries. Um, and they, they were, I mean, one that you look forward to, Florida. Tennessee, those are gone by the wayside, uh, and I I just saw these changes. You know, just that to me are becoming uh, so the, the teams that I used to grow up looking forward to, to playing uh, the football season they're they're, they're going by, by the wayside, and uh, you know I uh, I hope we don't lose Georgia as much as they've been you know no longer a rivalry lately. Uh, I don't want to lose them. I hope they'll they'll stay um, and. I want you, you your comments, guys. Um, do you uh, are you disappointed with losing uh, rivalries I've mentioned? Uh, you probably don't know like Florida and Tennessee, but they were annual rivalries that mattered. Um, and, and losing LSU, does that matter to you guys? I, it it matters somewhat, with the caveat of I understand just how different the sport has become, and that you can't keep everything. I, I definitely have said, and will continue to say that there is a very doable way with how the conference will be constructed. You play the nine-game schedule, and therefore you should be able to play both Alabama and Georgia every year. I think sure. the good news is for these other games, and look, I, I agree, in a vacuum, do I want to play every uh, LSU every year? Yes. But with the way that we have gotten these really large conferences, you just can't play everyone as much as you want to play them. I think the good news is is that when they do come to a resolution on eight versus nine games, no matter what it is, no matter what model, they understand that every team needs to play each other more frequently in general. And so the good news is, unlike what's happened with Florida, where we stop playing about every seventh year, Everyone will see everyone every other year. So you won't have to wait five, six years to play the yeah, LSU. I don't know if and, I'm going to make it for, for the seventh year. You know? That's, that's, you know, come on, guys. You well, know, can we do a little bit quicker? Well, sure. J- jokes aside, yeah, I mean, five, six, seven years is a long time. But 
again, that's why I can at least say the throwing us a bone in this situation is that it will still be every other year and that every four years you'll have seen every team rotate on campus despite these conferences being bigger than ever before. So it's some give and take for sure. And again, like I said, in a vacuum, yes, it is sad that the, that some of these rivalries are being extinguished, but I think we're still – in the process of keeping the most cherished ones and the most storied ones and the longest ones. And I think that as long as we do that, we will get by and we'll be okay. But yes, of course, it's still sad to lose any rival, even if it's only been the last 30 years or whatever. Well, I mean, they didn't matter because uh, like the LSU, I mean, there was weird crap happening in those games. The earthquake game, uh, Vaughn missing five darn uh, field goal attempts, you know, uh, those games, you know, uh, they're just classics, you know. And um, and then uh, Florida, you know, Nick Sanders, you know, uh, Jim Fightcall, you know, those are the games that I remember, they mattered, you know, if you beat them or, or lost them. Well, I, uh, I'll shut up. Uh, so let's go on. Uh, how about Mr. Uh, Gus Malzahn? I mean, some people are just really born lucky, aren't they? Yeah, I know well, you're referring to the new... doesn't get fired... Uh, he gets paid fifty million dollars by us uh, for losing uh, about four games a season, but then he gets beat by some teams he shouldn't get beat. At, uh, recently, somewhat upset him as a, uh, a Notre Dame team, and then he gets an extension to uh, I think two thousand twenty-seven and gets a pay raise. Oh my God! So uh, defend that for me, guys. I just want to say that again that. Uh, people got a little confused about that contract extension. That was agreed to before the year, and that it was only recently reported this week, and I do not know why it was not reported until now, but that was not agreed to in the aftermath of that Baylor loss. That was agreed to before the year. Um, and and you do stuff like that because you're obviously trying to keep these four-year recruiting cycles and that sort of thing, but also – with the realization that as you step up into a bigger conference that you're not going to have uh, the same success that you did at, at the group of five level. And that's going to go for all those four teams that are joining the league. It's still an incredibly disappointing loss last week to Baylor for sure. I mean, 100%, you, you can't blow that lead. Well, he's but, an SEC but, coach. What, say that again? He's an SEC coach. You shouldn't be losing teams like that. Okay, but he doesn't have SEC players. He's at, he's not at an SEC school anymore. Now their recruiting uh, is is been pretty is getting pretty good, but good recruiting for UCF is still in the twenties and thirties. And so, as we know, that would that would not be a top ten, top twelve, even SEC class. So, uh, again, I let's see how it plays out. I understand, uh, you know, that the timing of it seemed awful, but again, that was an extension agreed to before the year. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Real quickly, guys. Today in sports history, it happens. It's only happened twice in Major League Baseball history. Only twice has this been accomplished. And it happened once by Babe Ruth in 1926. I'll give you that one. Okay. Do you know what he did? Well, uh, once by Babe Ruth in 1926. Uh, did, did, I, I, I don't. Something with home run and, or homering and pitching or something like that. You're, you're, you're very, very, very warm. He hit a record three home runs okay. in, the fourth, in the fourth game of the World Series against St. Louis Cardinals. Okay. Okay. Now, no one else has done this except one other player since then. Who is it, guys? Was it David Freeze? 
no, the so done in October, on October the eighteenth, nineteen seventy-seven. This is the only other Reggie Jackson. Player. Very good. Okay. He became only the second player to hit three homers in a single series game. Mr. That's October. How that is to do. Mr. October. Reggie Jackson. Yep. You think Acuna could do it? That, I think he could. It's still an incredibly tough feat, though. <laughs> it's it's hard to even do that in the regular season. So, I, it, nothing's impossible with him. But obviously, got to get there first. It's still a tough feat. Okay, so I, when I saw that, I said, "Wow! Only two people have ever been able to do that." So that tells me how difficult that must uh, actually yeah. be able to do that. For sure. Okay. With that said, guys, I'm out of uh, stuff to, to ramble and make some sense out of. Uh, so, I hope you guys do have a safe and relaxing and get some sleep <laughs> yeah, we yes i will. will be getting plenty of sleep thank you steve get some sleep all right with that said guys talk to you on monday until then war eagle guys war eagle steve appreciate that phone call that is retired word am steve joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line we're going to take our next time out of the show if you want to give us a call 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine we'll be back with more right after this Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday edition of the program, about halfway home, halfway towards the weekend. And again, we appreciate all those that are tuning in here on this Friday afternoon. If you ever missed part of the show, you can go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, available wherever you may get your podcast. And uh, again, we do also want to say that that Mixler stream is still not working for us. Uh, having to contact the parent company over there of the stream and get into all that good stuff. And again, we still have plenty of ways to listen. And if you listen to that Mixler, that Sports Call Auburn stream on the same Tiger Communications app, you can go and listen to Tiger 95.9 FM stream. That is the station that, of course, we broadcast off of. And that uh, that stream goes nonstop. And it's not special or unique to Sports Call, but it does contain our stream too. So uh, again, want you to be able to listen in that form if you can't listen on the sports call mixer which has not been working this week so anyway let's talk some sec football and we've already talked a little bit about georgia kentucky we get back to those games when we go through our games of the week there in the five o'clock hour so we'll spend a little bit of time on on these non these these two 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 or three matchups that are not as big uh, and some of these teams that are just kind of in the fray right now and might be looking for coaches and state of their programs and flocks, that sort of thing. 
So let's start with Ole Miss and Arkansas, two teams Auburn has yet to play. Auburn will see Ole Miss here in a couple weeks, next home game for the Tigers against Ole Miss. And then they'll go to Arkansas in what will be the most winnable road game of the season yeah, in the sure. SEC. Arkansas staring at a 2-5, and five, to be honest with you. They go to Oxford this week. That game has been bonkers in the past. So it's not unfathomable, but I certainly would not expect Ole Miss to lose at home. And then Arkansas has got to go to Tuscaloosa the following week. Then it opens up for them. Then they definitely have some some winnable games the rest of the way. But, I mean, the, the tides are turning on Sam Pittman. And on the other side of the equation, very necessary big win for Ole Miss after kind of laying an egg against Alabama and only scoring 10 points. Uh, they get their first significant win since about this time last year because yeah. Ole Miss really went downhill the last month of last year. Uh, so what do you think about Ole Miss-Arkansas? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I do think that – Ole Miss is going to be able to get the win at home. Uh, you know, the line is, I mean, Ole Miss minus 12 and a half. That's a pretty, you know, pretty solid margin, almost a two touchdown margin. Um, and I, I just, Arkansas just seems to be struggling on all, on all fronts. I mean, just even looking at the stats and just, just the comparisons in terms of total yards, um, in terms of total yards, uh, Ole Miss has, has, 507 is averaging 517 total yards per game and Arkansas is averaging just 342 total yards per game so just the wide margin that that they're able that Ole Miss is just able to move the ball is just astounding um I think it could be a relatively high scoring game uh I I don't you know the the over under 61 and a half so with the line minus 12 and a half ryan you're a lot better at fast math than me so uh over under 61 and a half blind minus mississippi minus 12 and a half uh would put the score at what uh 37 25 yeah 30, 36 24 yeah, i mean sometimes they're always going to add right up, right right not not too bad so i think it could probably be maybe a little bit over that honestly um just because the de- neither deep neither of these defenses are are really all that great uh so i i just think it's going to be a high scoring game and when it comes to those even though Ole Miss did struggle against Alabama and only scored 10 points I still think they're going to be able to um put up a lot of points in this game yeah I, I again and look I know that maybe there's going to be a lot of people out there that to say oh I don't care about any SEC school other than Auburn and all those guys take her and leave them but there usually a lot of the programs since we just cover so much of it. We go to media days, we're around all of them. Like I care about the entirety of the league, and yeah, there's still some negative feelings for some schools, but certainly yeah. not not uh, the, the majority of them for me. And I've just always found Sam Pittman likable. That's why I lament the fact that that I think that it's it's the honeymoon's clearly over, and we're now having a fallout there. Uh, not that I have some loyalty to Arkansas because I don't, but I like Sam Pittman and, uh, and and think that he's one of the good guys. And there's he is a good guy. There needs there needs to be some good guys out there because uh, there's certainly some bad guys and guys that are hard to listen to and um, you know it, it, guys that are certainly harder to root for. But Sam Pittman's not not of that category. And for Ole Miss, I, I think that you know their team. It's it's such an unfortunate situation already for them because they might have still a very successful year. They may not only they may only lose to to Georgia, excuse me, 
uh, the rest of the year. They might even end up beating Georgia. I don't know. I mean, some people are again are getting to be very standoffish about Georgia, but I think that at the end of the day, their season just kind of feels crushed because they already lost the team that figures to win the division. Yeah, in Alabama, and so even if Ole Miss goes on this run. They're going to need Alabama to lose twice to end up Got in the to. West. And, again, that's still saying, can you beat Georgia? Uh, they're already kind of playing for a New Year's Six Bowl and not any sort of big SEC prize, which is the way they, they've already had the most important loss you can have in the division. Yeah, they. I mean, that, that loss to Alabama is definitely substantial, especially when you're trying to win the West in the last year there's going to be a West. And you just you, – you really needed that win. You couldn't get it done. You struggled all game pretty much. Couldn't get really anything going. No rushing yards. Jackson Dart struggled through a couple, I think, interceptions. Just wasn't a great game overall. Uh, that game against Georgia, it's a, it's a long shot. I mean, I I could maybe see it. If they can get the run game going, they could maybe beat Georgia. But, again, you need Alabama to lose twice. And, you know, a lot of, you know, Auburn fans feel confident that that Auburn might be able to win the Iron Bowl, but that's still one loss for Alabama, and that still would give them the division. So uh, you'd have to find another loss somewhere in Alabama's schedule, and I don't really see it. It seems that they've really caught stride with Jalen Milrow and figured out how they're going to be able to use him and move the ball and be productive. The defense seems like they've dialed in a little bit more uh, after the loss uh, uh, to Texas. And so uh, since then, they've, they've had no you know, true, true issue. And I know it was against Mississippi State, but they still looked pretty, pretty decent and, and dominant. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, maybe, you know, maybe LSU could be that second loss if they, if, if that, you know, but I, I mean, that's in Bryant Denny Stadium. So you don't know that, that, I mean, that's still. Yeah, and the way great. LSU's defense is right, playing right now. Right. I mean, Not great. It is. It's, it's rough. It's rough. It's rough. So it, it, that, that could be a second loss. Maybe, you know, you might end up in a shootout if that's, if, if you're LSU, that's probably what you're hoping for, just like last year. Um, but other than that, if you're Ole Miss, you're, you're really hoping that you can win out. You got to not lose to Georgia. That's going to be tough. Uh, you got to not lose at Auburn. That's still still one of the best home environments in the SEC, uh, and and you're going to have to deal with with that with the fan base and and everything that comes along with that in Jordan Hare Stadium. Um, so yeah, I I just I think they'll have a rough go of it. Honestly, it, it's going to be tough, but I think they'll get the win this weekend against Arkansas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Keith from Auburn. Keith is with us. Keith, it's been a while since we heard from you. Hope you're doing well, my friend. How are you? I am outstanding, and uh, thank you for that. And, uh, I, I listen pretty regular. It's hard for me to call in. Sure. Uh, but anyway, I, I enjoy the show, so I'm always trying to listen. Uh, who, who, who you got with you today? Uh, just right. myself and Cam. Okay. All right. Good deal. Well, listen, um, <clears throat> I know Cam was talking, I guess, about LSU. I'm not sure who he was talking about. And I heard Alabama mention. But here's the thing with Alabama. Uh, if you're an Alabama fan, there's three things you gotta you got to hope happens. And the first thing is you got to hope Texas runs the table and is undefeated. You, you don't need them losing. You need them to be undefeated. Okay? Sure. The second thing is. You need Georgia to be undefeated when the SEC championship game, uh, when they when that's played. And the third thing is, if you're an Alabama fan, you, you got to run the table uh, from here on out for any chance 
to make it into the uh, the college football playoff. That's the three things that if you're an Alabama fan, you got to see happen. So um, you know whether you're you hate Texas or not, you better hope they they win out, and you better hope Georgia's undefeated and Alabama runs the table and gets to the SEC championship game and beats number one or number two Georgia. So uh, then their then their resume doesn't look quite as bad. You know, with that one loss and it being the Texas and they being undefeated, probably a top, you know, two or three team as well. Um, I do uh, want to uh, shift gears just a, a minute and uh, give a shout out to Rich Rod and uh, the Jacksonville State. Uh, I mean, they, uh, I, I, you know, I, I thought that I thought it was over with uh, Wednesday. I guess it was Wednesday night they played. Uh, and they come roaring back in the second half and beat Middle Tennessee State. Uh, Jacksonville, you know, this is their first year of FBS, and uh, they're sitting at five and one. And there's a good, good possibility they they're gonna get seven, eight wins. Uh, I was looking at their schedule. Uh, I think that's feasible for them in their first uh, full year of FBS, and I guess that would uh, give them an opportunity to play at a bowl game. Uh, what do you think? So it normally would, but Brooks was actually bringing this up the other day when he was on the program. You know, since they just went up to FBS, there's this right. there's this moratorium uh, on them okay. not being eligible for a postseason right. play for a couple of years, yeah, it? or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, you know what? I, uh, I remember that with somebody else last year or whatever with, that you guys were talking about. But that I hate that. Yeah, um, I do too. You know, yeah. uh, and I tell you what, uh, you know, I think Jack's Jack State, that's what they would really want to be called is Jack State, not Jacksonville State. But uh, uh, they're going to have a hard time keeping Rich Rod. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a huge uh, Rodriguez fan. Don't get me wrong. I'm a particular death. He took the Alabama job and then bailed. That's the best thing that ever could have happened to the University of Alabama. But, uh, you know, he may be. I don't know if his name's been mentioned for, for the Michigan State job, but, you know, what better would you have somebody like Rich Rod uh, come in there that, you know, of course his tenure at Michigan didn't go well. Sure. Uh, and, you know, be across the state uh, from, from Michigan and be the head coach of Michigan State. But I don't know. All of that uh, come out and watch. I, I don't really follow it enough to know who any of the candidates are for the Michigan State job. But uh, I'm, I'm sure they'll they'll get the, get the right guy in there. I'm sure they're ha- happy they was able to let uh, – Whatever the guy's name was, yeah, Mel Go Tucker, yeah, yeah, Mel Tucker. So, uh, but anyway, and one last thing, guys, I, um, and I don't know, you help me with this: is it Emmy for acting or a Grammy for acting? Uh, it Emmy, would be, it would Emmy be is act, acting. Yeah, right? it, Emmy, Emmy would be shows, and and Oscar would be movie acting. Yeah. Okay, well, Grammy or Oscar or whatever. I want to touch base uh, about the mini NBA. Uh, I know NBA preseason is fixing to start, but the the mini NBA is wrapping up with the uh, WNBA championships between uh, the New York Liberty and the Las Vegas Aces. And I enjoy watching the NBA uh, women's basketball. Uh, it's just fun to me to watch. I mean, it's it's more like basketball. But even the WNBA guys is taking a nose dive here. I mean, you got to give some of those girls out there an Oscar or an Emmy or something, because <laughs> everything the NBA does, they try to uh, do that as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I see yeah. girls out there get fouled, and they'll literally fall down on their own. 
I mean, they wouldn't foul that hard, but they fall down and they lay there and roll around on the floor like they're in this great pain, but yet they'll pop right back up and go over and shoot them free throws. I don't get that. I, I, that Alyssa, I remember her last name, plays for Connecticut, uh, UConn, well, not UConn, Connecticut Sun. She got her. She's the world's worst about flopping around on the floor, on the floor and then rolling around like she's going to be carted off and gets up. But you know, and she she got a nasty <laughs> little fall there. Uh, you know, a guy landed, a girl landed on her back. That big old, uh, I don't know, big old center. She looks like she's seven foot tall for uh, the Liberty. But uh, you know, they, they she hobbled off the floor and they carried her back. You know, it's about eight seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. I knew dang good and well. If I, I mean, if I could have turned in a bet on that, I'd have bet my house and four or five million dollars that that girl was going to come back out of that locker room and play because <laughs> she's done it all year long, you know. But I, I, I just think that is silly and ridiculous that how they act like their bodies are in this great pain when they get fouled. <laughs> you know, I yeah. don't understand that. Just play the game. Play it for the love, not for the show. You know, get up and go make your free throws. You, you ain't hurt. If you was really hurt, uh, you know it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but that, now don't get me wrong. I like the WNBA, and I'm looking forward to this uh, the, uh, the the finals here. Uh, I guess it's the best of seven, so we'll get to see some some more flopping and rolling around. <laughs> but they're pretty good basketball teams. They're the best two teams in the WNBA. Absolutely. And uh, you know, I, I, I will have to say I give the Aces. Uh, uh, a, l- a little edge on talent, maybe just a little bit, and uh, a lot of bit on looks. Their their girls are a lot prettier than the New York Liberty's girls. Them, them poor girls, uh, they they struggle <laughs> when it. They're not lookers on New York side, so uh, you know. <laughs> but anyway, guys, uh, you know, I just wanted to bring that bring that up. I, you know, I, I listen to Steve, and Steve, I'm doing well. I'm. Uh, I'm uh, still out and about and around. I'm just having to work for a living, and it ain't no fun to have to work all the time, Steve. I've I got to see how you uh, was able to retire so young uh, and, and, and do the same there. But, uh, guys, I appreciate you, you taking my call. And, as always, y'all do an outstanding job, and uh, you know, I always look forward to listening to you guys. And uh, just keep up the great work. And I think, you know, the, I don't want to say the tide's turning in Auburn, but uh, – they're they're getting better, and sure. uh, I think Hugh Freeze is going to going to going to be able to get it done. So uh, I'm real excited about that to see. You know, anytime Alabama and and Auburn are both playing well, it's just so much better for the state, and uh, that's what it's all about. But guys, have a great weekend. Uh, I'm getting ready to uh, get my my walking shoes on. We headed over to the Lee County Fair to care of the, the grand here shortly. Nice. And we got a full day tomorrow. We got the syrups off, and we're going to get too early. We're going to leave the grants at home for that one, though. What, what, what's the <laughs> favorite fair food? Oh, my goodness. Probably, uh, really, truly, it's uh, candied cameras. Uh, I mean, candied apples. Hold on a minute, candy apples. KB, say hi to the Sports Call Show right quick. Say hello. <laughs> Can you say hi? Say hi real loud. They're listening. <laughs> hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> KB was uh, riding down the – he was with his other granddad on the golf cart riding down the driveway. So, anyway, um, yeah. Uh, it's, candy it's, apple. It's candied apple to me. Yeah, I like cotton candy too. So, But, anyway, um, 
looking forward to it. But guys, y'all, uh, y'all keep up the great work. Uh, have a great weekend. Be safe, and uh, look forward to hearing you guys on Monday. Yes, sir, Keith. We certainly appreciate the phone call, my friend. That is Keith, right. Keith from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Always good to hear from Keith, and certainly appreciate his kind words about the show. And yeah, I uh, hope he has a great time at the fair. It's fair season. I know the it one in Montgomery. Season, the was that the Alabama State Fair yeah, is going State on. Fair. Lee County Fair here and. Uh, that's uh, certainly good stuff. Got about four or five minutes left here in the second hour of the program, so we'll keep it right here and get to the top of the hour break in just a moment. Uh, going through uh, some, several different things there. Uh, certainly agree with him on the, the scenario for, for Alabama, just needing Texas to, to do well and make that look good. And, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if it really matters – for sure, I think it certainly would help if Georgia's all the way undefeated. Um, I think the winner of that game would be ahead of the other, though, as long as there's not another another loss somewhere in there. Uh, but it does underscore kind of the fact that, that these conferences that have not been as stable getting playoff teams in the last few years are all kind of in a good situation for that. Now, if, if Texas started losing and they lost twice, then I don't know where you would turn to unless it was at the hands of Oklahoma here and right. Oklahoma ran the table. True. Well, there's not a lot of backup plans outside of that Red River rivalry in, in, in the Big 12. And then the ACC looks really good because of Florida State, right. but then if you went down the line there, unless Carolina is going to do something they've never True. done and, and run the table, then I don't really see it there. But Pac-12's got three or four teams that are, are looking good. You, you would think law of average if someone gets in there, you know either Ohio State or Michigan will get in. So I, I certainly understand that there shouldn't be a two-loss team in there this year. And, right. and uh, the it's pretty well balanced. I mean, every conference it has a, a real, a real, real shot. shot at it this yeah. year. Yeah, every conference does have a real shot at representation. It kind of is. Unf- I mean, I know this is the last team of the four team playoff, but it is unfortunate that you know this is. Uh, I would like to see the Pac-12 get a team in. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Just in that last year, Just like they get a gift. team in a parting gift, exactly right, where they get into the playoff. But obviously, there's gonna be one conference that's left out this year. You know, um, and and you're right, Ryan. It does seem to be pretty balanced overall. Uh, you know, Oregon has a shot, absolutely. Uh, USC has has a shot again uh, this year, and then you you know, you, like you said, you got the teams in the Big Twelve. Um, uh, Oklahoma is on is trending. Up Texas is is already the number three team in the nation. Ohio State, Michigan, one of the two is more than likely yeah. going to win. And, and he get even throw Penn, Penn State, State in yeah, as a, Penn State as unlikely as it may, may be that they actually come out of that because right. this happens every year. I mean that's a huge program that's yep. still undefeated. Penn so. State getting a, has a shot as well because they're in the top ten, and then uh, Georgia out of the SEC, and and maybe Alabama if they're able to run the table um, and and only end up with one loss and and win the SEC championship uh, that. that they have a chance as well um and then you know florida state and then i mean tar heels are, are they're somewhere they're 14th right now alive. they're I technically mean, alive undefeated, man hanging undefeated, out Tez walker's know? coming back because the exactly. ncaa so grew they, a spine for oh a moment gosh. Or and grew a spine and then blamed, hard, and then yeah. blamed unc right. for making yeah. a spectacle it's like well I mean, the evidence was there. Everybody knew the evidence. I don't know what new evidence. I don't understand either. And something that you're bad at what you do. Like Like, UNC failed to present this evidence, or they made too much of a big deal about it. It's like, well, yeah, they made a big deal out of it. You made the wrong decision. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, The new evidence is they realized they were wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like you messed up. Don't 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 place (laughs) the blame on anybody else. So that that I, I did 
find reading that to be somewhat funny that yeah okay cool they they reinstated him and that's great for for the player but it's like <laughs> what are you talking about yeah just like even if for the wrong reasons the right decision will always take precedence right. on on the on, reasons on the behind. reasons behind yeah. it but but still i mean even even in what should have been a no-brainer the ncaa still ends up looking bad and that's just kind of where we're at with the ncaa but nevertheless yes uh tez walker now gets to play for Carolina, and I, I've joked around the office that they're going to try and force feed him and throw three picks, trying to get oh him, gosh. get him the ball, make up for lost time. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But you're right, play Syracuse this weekend. Out of time for hour number two of the program. Still ahead in hour number three, though. A lot more college football as we get you sent for the weekend in college football, both in the SEC and across the country. We'll look at some top 25 matchups when we come back. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620, WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon turning into evening. We're glad that you're along on this Friday edition of the show. However you may be listening, including on the Sports Call podcast after the fact presented by Coca-Cola. As we get into the third and final hour of the show, let's continue some college football discussions here and let's look forward to some of these top 25 games coming up this weekend. And again, a lot of them are involving the SEC or involving teams that are about to be the in the SEC, such as the Red River rivalry between Oklahoma and Texas. This game carrying some weight for the for- first time in a while. I know the teams are usually ranked because it's usually early enough in the season that Texas has not disappointed everyone yet. And, <laughs> and Oklahoma, of course, has had a long run of at least 10 win teams dating back Lincoln, Riley, Bob Stoops, et cetera. Last year was the clear outlier for them, but uh, feels like a big game. And the, the winner is, I think for all the world going to end up in the big 12 title game. Yes. This could happen again though. I mean, the, the, there's no divisions. This could be, I think it'd be quite funny if this is the Big 12 title game and it's last year. And surprisingly, I was going back through and it's only happened like once in the last five or six years. So this has not been the common outcome for the Big 12 despite not having divisions. Right. Uh, so 
A, could we see this twice? And then B, uh, any chance of Oklahoma getting this done on Saturday? I mean, they absolutely could, right? It, it, it's definitely going to be a good one, a kind of quote unquote neutral site game in Dallas, Texas. But I, I mean, I think, I mean, Oklahoma fans seem like they travel pretty well. So I think it'll be uh, relatively, not even fully, but I think it'll be, you know, like a solid, solid 60 40 uh, in favor of Texas. And, and I think that, I mean, if you're Oklahoma, I would absolutely take that. Um, but. It'll definitely be an interesting game. I think it'll be a, a, a fun game to watch. That's one I'm absolutely going to tune into. I hate that it's so early. I wish it were a bit we more gotta of a... We got to spread the love around I know, a little I know, bit. I know, I know. But I wish it were, that one were a bit more of a primetime game. But, uh, I mean, I'll take the 11 a.m. kick. And, you know, I, I they, they too ten, do tend to have that one pretty early anyway. Um, from I think from history. That, that yeah, it usually be, is. Yeah, an man. early yeah. game anyway. Um, but with them being both good, I, I would have liked that one to have been a bit in a better slot overall but it should be a fun one i, I think uh definitely i think whoever wins this will end up winning the big 12 um the chances that we see this again are pretty likely in my opinion i think we could see this again in the big 12 championship and you know it's i think it could be one of those scenarios where whoever wins this one uh could you know well, whoever loses this one, excuse me, will probably end up winning the second time around. I, I kind of am a believer okay. in those, and just like you've seen, you've you've seen them kind of at their best, and they've beaten you. And I think you kind of come back and you you see what you did wrong because in that first game where the team usually wins, they've done a lot of things right, so they think they can't do more right. Uh, so the adjustments will be a lot different in my opinion, but you know, football coaches are always trying to adjust, always trying to get better. So I can't exactly speak to all of that, but, uh, that's kind of how my thought process would be. Um, so yeah, it'll be a good one. I'm definitely, that's, that's probably going to be the first game that I, that I watch, um, on Saturday if I'm awake. (laughs) If I'm awake, I gotta I gotta throw that in there. Uh-huh. If I'm awake, we'll see. My body might end up waking me up at like nine a.m. And I'll... You, so you're not gonna set the alarm up. No, so you're just no. gonna let the body oh, decide. Yeah. And... No, the body will decide, and the body will probably decide first at eight o'clock. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then okay. I say, and then I'll say no, and I'm gonna go back to sleep. Yeah. So we'll not see. Not approved. No, not approved. So it it'll, but it'll be a good one. I'm definitely gonna tune in. Uh, and um. I, I, I do think that Texas will take this one, um, but I think it'll be a fun one. Could be a could end up being a, a really high-scoring game. Well, and, you know, you talk about the 11 a.m. part of it, and, I, I mean, if you are disgruntled about that, that could change next year because yeah. it will be a different league true, true. hosting the games. It will still be the same networks. Maybe, maybe ESPN and ABC opt to keep that and, and make it kind of a tradition because, again, it's been played – like kind of like Ohio State, Michigan. You can think of a rare, sparse time in the last 10, 15, 20 years maybe, but uh, for the most part it has been that 11 a.m. slot. That's just the way they've been. Yeah, I know the, the fair okay, – talking about fair season here in Alabama, Texas World Fair is out there, and it's a whole big thing. and So, I, you know, I don't know if they'll move it for a fact, but I, I would speculate that it's at least on the table that ESPN ABC might want to pivot that towards a primetime matchup with it being in the SEC starting next year. Right. You know, I think that the story here, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday because we did talk some about the bigger games, is it just is hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact 
that Oklahoma needs to make up 50 points yeah. to win the game. Right. Year. I mean, they, they lost 49 nothing, And I know in blowouts like that, they kind of get out of control. But to know that Quinn Ewers is back, to know that Texas is a better version of themselves from last year even, to then think that even though, yeah, Oklahoma's better clearly better. better of yourself. Like, yeah. yeah, Oklahoma's clearly better than last year. But to think that they've made up 50 points in Texas, I just my brain can't process that part of it. <laughs> uh, and so I, by all means, I'm not saying this will be a blowout either. They're going to make up a lot of that. But I just think that Texas has a more known commodity defensively, yeah, whereas Oklahoma fair. is improving a lot. The Invincibles, they should. They're defensive. Uh, they have a defensive head coach. But I still think Texas is just a year ahead. I mean, yeah, I mean Sarkeesian's been there a year or two longer. I think a year longer yeah. than than Venables. And, and this is the logical step in the process. Texas was kind of where Oklahoma was last, last year. They year. were a top 25 team. They got brief aspirations to be bigger, but then Quinn Ewers was got banged hurt. up and yep. was inconsistent and all that. So they just kind of was a generic top 25 team last year. And now in year three, it's like, okay, well, now the health Everything is there. Is, yeah. Everything's, Everything's aligned. Clicked. This is kind of the correct timeline in the modern day of college football, where in the past it used to be four or five years. Now it feels like three years is like a magical number. And so Oklahoma's in year two of that. So maybe next year, I, I will say, I don't think they'll have Dylan Gabriel next year. I think he's out of eligibility. So that right. would be an interesting dilemma for them in year three. But they, they are on a, a completely normal timeline, even though Oklahoma was so weird to see them the way they were last year. Right. Uh, I just I think Oklahoma is going to have to be a little creative. I, I said it would be high scoring, but I'm kind of kind of backing off that a little bit. I think it's going to I think Oklahoma is going to have to get creative in scoring because of how how pretty I mean Texas defense is pretty good and pretty stout. So I think that I, I think it could get up there. The over under sixty and a half right now. So uh, I I I think it could kind of trend up. Um, but I think it's really going to be on Oklahoma to get really creative and figure out ways to score. Whereas I think it'll become a lot. I think it'll come a lot easier um, with Texas, just with Quinn Ewers, and they have, I mean, a bunch of running running back talent. They have Xavier Worthy. They have Ad Mitchell. I mean, just dudes, you know, just that are, I mean, really good. Not to say that Oklahoma doesn't, but. Texas has some real talent, right? Again, again, that stems from the recruiting, just everything right. yeah, being yeah, just a year one ahead, one year ahead, yeah. Yes. Because it, Oklahoma was a, one of the weirder situations. They were completely fine as program. They were still competing for playoff spots right. every year, and they had a really good head coach, and then he just left for another really good job, and so they brought in a guy though that was not kind of Lincoln Riley 2.0 or no, something even similar to Lincoln Riley. Yeah, like they brought in different. a defensive guy, a yeah. guy that had been a coordinator for an incredibly long time at a high level at Clemson. And that almost was like even though they're within a couple spots of being where they want to be, they kind of was like an admission of like we want to do this a different way and if we have to rebuild it, we have to rebuild it. It was just so shocking because that was the worst Oklahoma team in 20-plus yeah, years. And I, I said it, and remember I said last year, Oklahoma fans just need to be patient right. because you can't expect it in year one, especially after your team just got absolutely gutted. But now you're seeing – the fruits of the labor sure. that Brent Venables has been putting in with the program, and now they're undefeated, ranked 12th in the nation. They're you know they've got a very good and experienced quarterback, and they've got something to at the very least build upon. Next year, like you said, they will have the quarterback dilemma. You know they'll have you the SEC know. dilemma. Yeah, they'll have the <laughs> SEC problem, so you don't know. But 
this is a step in the right direction, sure. 100%. And so I, I would hope that now Oklahoma fans are like, ah, yeah, well, maybe we shouldn't have been so hard on them in year one. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it was just a lot to overcome. There's just no way around it. I mean, he took – Lincoln Riley took all of the talent from that team and then all the other talent transferred. So you, you had to deal with just kind of completely rebuilding the program. And so now, you know, here they are. So let's look at one more top 25 matchup, and this one's still outside of the SEC, too, then we'll take our next break of the program. Was not on the radar for this to be a top 25 matchup, but here we are with number 10 Notre Dame and number 25 Louisville. Louisville 5-0 and on the year. They've had close calls, but to their credit, they've already had to play four Power 5 games, including three in the ACC. Uh, had to respond late on Georgia Tech there. Right. Uh, George Tech had been feisty in that one, and, and that one was in Atlanta uh, at the chip, one of the Chick-fil-A kickoff games, yeah. or our Aflac kickoff games now this year. And, and, and Louisville was able to win. One touchdown win over Indiana. They did thump Boston College, but that's not saying a lot unless you're Florida State. <laughs> and then uh, a very uh, low-scoring bout kind of going against the green against NC State, but still winning that one in Raleigh. And then Notre Dame is in the midst of an, I mean, a schedule that we all have pined for for years with them. Like, please play, have a big schedule. Please earn your way into this. They're and really it's shaping deep. out for them. They're doing just that. Uh, very much so because their ACC competition this year ended up being something very intriguing. So, of course, two weeks ago they have the game against Ohio State, the heartbreak loss at the end there. Ten men on the field. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah and, uh, and not getting that run stop there. They then go to top 25 Duke game day for the first time in Durham, uh, break Duke's hearts in a kind of similar fashion with a long run play there at the end. So now a top 25 Louisville team, and that is before we'll be talking about Notre Dame again next week because they will have number nine USC in South Bend That'll be fun, a week man. from tomorrow. That's so be fun. this is a stretch of four straight ranked <laughs> opponents for the Fighting Irish, including two on the road, two at home. You see anything in this one week before Notre Dame has another big home game? You, do you think they will respect Louisville properly? Because, I mean, Louisville was not anticipated to be great coming in no. the season, and maybe they still are, but they are an undefeated ranked team all of a sudden, and you are going to their place. Yeah, I mean, they're undefeated, they're ranked, so you have really no choice but to respect them. you gotta, you got to respect how they got to where they are, and... and and you're going to their place. Uh, you got to be able to stay, you know, stay humble, buckle down, and 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 do the best you can. Um, I I do think that Notre Dame's gonna be able to continue to get, you know, continue to roll. I know they had the loss against uh, Ohio State, and uh, that just that one is just still one that blows my mind because I feel sure. like they should have won that. You could have won that if you had the proper amount of guys on the field. So that's just neither here nor there. It's already you know passed. Um, but you're going up against the Louisville team that, yeah, that I mean, kind of puts up a lot of points. I know they didn't against NC State, but they've trended to put up a lot of points. So uh, if you're uh, Notre Dame, you're going to have to really, really uh, – I mean, I think Sam Hartman's able to do it. I think he's going to be be able to um, help that help Notre Dame and, and put up plenty of points. So uh, it should be a good one. And, and yeah, Notre Dame – or not Notre Dame. Uh, Louisville did kind of come out of nowhere. But I did have a buddy that does go to Notre uh, – uh, not Notre Dame, Louisville. He transferred there, and he was talking about the football team. And he was like, 
they're not going to be that bad. They're going to be solid this year. And uh, we were kind of like, I don't know. But now they're ranked. So, I mean, we're eating our words. You know, I mean, they're 25th. So here, here they are. Uh, I, I do think this will be their first loss of the season. Um, but that doesn't put any type of blemish on on their season overall. I, I think um, that they, they might Won't have be a something. Conference yeah, loss, right. So, they, they've yeah. still got something that they can fight for. And um, Notre Dame will continue to play their very tough schedule. Yeah, I mean, Clemson with two conference losses opens up a lot of possibilities yeah, on the ACC. Man. And and even as Notre Dame goes through most of this league and ends up beating most of these teams, you know, it doesn't affect the conference standings at all. So uh, a big shoe did drop with Duke, not in that they lost to Notre Dame, but now that Riley Leonard's out for multiple weeks. So that might affect them a little bit. But, uh, I mean, behind Florida State, I mean, you get out of anywhere Duke, North Carolina, Louisville, yeah. uh, all those teams trying to uh, – kind of get their way, swarm their way into the ACC title game to face Florida State. But, yeah, another big opportunity for Notre Dame. And they're a team that's interesting because with this schedule now, Clemson's not looking like the big game it was, although they still play them in November. So Clemson might get ranked again if they keep winning. I might still end up Very being well a ranked could. game. Uh, if Notre Dame ends up 11-1 with this schedule, with the only blemish being last play of the game against Ohio State, have to see what else is around there. But they, they wouldn't be – uh, necessarily uh, for sure out of things yeah. if they're able to run the table. So a lot of big programs all over the place kind of in the mix so far as we approach the halfway point in the college football season. We're going to take another timeout coming up in a few minutes. Sports Calls What to Watch for over the weekend and a look at a few more games across the country here coming up for week six of the college football slate. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. to call into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm now back to the multi-time abby award-winning sports call Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. Happy that you're listening to us wherever you may be listening. As we start to get towards the last part of the show, last half hour or so, need to go over another game or two before we get the Sports Call's What to Watch for over the weekend. game that's been brought up by a caller or two throughout the week, but we've not spent... Uh, spent a, a good bulk of time on it, particularly is Alabama and Texas A&M uh, inside of Kyle Field. That one is the CBS game at 2.30 tomorrow. The line has been incredibly close throughout. This is a game that I said the other day I think is going to be the crossroads in the season for Alabama. And I think if they get this game – I feel I have a tendency to think they're going to end up going 11-1 and making the, the SEC title game. If they lose it, I do think that they could end up losing another time or two, including potentially in the Iron Bowl. Yeah. 
uh, and, and have their worst season since 2010, if not since 2007. Uh, so I think this is a big moment for them because this is a game they did lose two years ago, and there are some eerie uh, similarities to it just in that A&M had to play their backup quarterback in that game, Zach Calzada, who was not intended to be their starter. They had not been great up until that point, and then they randomly win. Uh, this year, they have Connor Wegman hurt. Max Johnson came in. He's been fine. Now, yeah. Max Johnson did already play against Alabama in the SEC while at LSU did not win. Uh, but there's also just the part where even if you want to talk about last year's matchup, which Kent did come down the final play, it was Jalen Milrow yep. who they were playing. So there is reason to believe this game will absolutely be close. But which way do you lean here? I don't know. You know, this is a tough one. Uh, I know Bama did end up pulling it out. Um, and Jalen Milrow didn't have the most phenomenal game, but I mean, I mean, Texas A&M was at like what the, they were in the red zone for sure. I mean, they, they yeah. had opportunities to win that game. Um, no, they got to play. Yeah. I believe if my yeah. memory serves inside the five or I inside so. the ten. Yeah, yeah I, was, I thought was it was inside play. the yeah. ten. I wasn't hundred yeah. percent sure. Um, so they were they were really close to taking that game last year. Um, I do think that. This year it'll be a little bit different. Just I think last year J- Jalen Milrow now he has he has some games under his belt. I know um, you know he's not as accurate and great at throwing the ball, but he's kind of figuring it out. He's kind of starting to dial it in and, and get better kind of week to week. And had a good game against Mississippi State. I know that's not saying a whole bunch, but it is an SEC game, so you got to kind of respect the talent and. Um, and I, I think uh, I think that Bama will will win this one again, um, but I, I do think Texas A&M's defense going to be able to, to keep it close. Uh, I think they're going to really try to key in on Jalen and his ability to run the ball. Um, also, last year Jalen made a lot of mistakes. I think he fumbled the ball like maybe two or three times as well. So that was uh, that that was also a key factor. You know, Bama would start to drive, 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 and then. Jalen would do something and, and, and fumble the ball, and something something like that would happen. Uh, the Texas A&M defense was able to force a lot of turnovers. Uh, so it, I think that's really where it's going to be. It's going to live on Texas A&M's defense. Are they going to be able to key in on Jalen Milrow, stop his running ability, keep him contained, uh, force him to be a pocket passer, make the accurate throws? Then Texas A&M def- definitely has a chance because if Max Johnson can hit his throws here and there, get the ball to the playmakers, they have a solid run game, they have – very talented receivers then you have a real chance of winning they i mean look it's pretty simple in my view of why they've been able to hang with bam in the last couple of years it, it shouldn't be rocket science they've had recruiting classes that have been very similar to alabama's they even had the number one class two years ago as we know even though they've lost a, a good portion of it but they're one of the few teams in the world that's actually recruited on Alabama's level the last few cycles. I mean, so it, it to me, just that alone, it makes sense that AM can at least hang around. Now, can they make the right play here and there? Well, being at home does help you do that. And they've got two excellent wide receivers, Anaya Smith and Evan Stewart. Absolutely. Uh, Max Johnson's at least capable. But, look, Max Johnson's going to be the best version of himself if he's not. Alabama's defense is still really good. Absolutely. And, and I think that's proven out because of that Ole Miss game, giving up only 10 points to an Ole Miss team that then hung 50 on LSU the very next week. Uh, I, like, Bama's defense is still really, really good. I don't think the Texas game should be everything that you use to judge them because – there's a couple turnovers by Milrow that, that led that game. Can Texas hit their deep shots? Texas was just awesome in that game. I don't think that means Alabama's some 
average yeah, defense, bad, though, yeah. because of that. So I, I still think that it's going to be hard on A&M, but you, you got to rely on the home crowd. you got to rely on the fact that you do have talent that is comparable to Alabama's. And so you've got some really good pass rushers. Make them be disciplined pass rushers. If they stay in their lanes, stay in their assignments, then they're going to have opportunities to not only sack Milrow but just make him uncomfortable. But if you do the old, I'm going to run around in and see if I can get him out the backside, well, he'll step up, he'll run, and you'll be in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's about being disciplined with a guy like Milrow. That's what that's what speed guys in the back test. They test your discipline. But with A&M, they should, because Alabama's had some trouble protecting Milrow, right. they should be able to get some rush. So, again, what situations do you do that? Can Milrow hit his deep balls? Milrow's been a pretty good deep passer. Yep. Like That's the two things he does well. He's a good deep ball guy, and he's a great runner. So how, how do you use those two things to your advantage of your Alabama? So I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm still leaning towards Alabama because, again, I'm going to be the last on the scene of the death of, of everything they've got going on there. Right. I'm, just, I'm always slow on that, and I always will be. But uh, The you rumors know, are false. <laughs> right, but I, I, just, uh, I just think that defense is too good for A&M just to go do what they want, yeah. and I, I think that Alabama will still make a few plays. Now, again, road environment. You know, this and, one. this and Auburn will be your two toughest road games. I know Kentucky has a number beside their name. I'm sorry. I just don't nah. I don't buy that compared to A&M and compared to what the Iron Bowl means at Jordan-Hare Stadium. But, uh, you know, this will be a good test of that. Uh, but, again, that's why I think it's a crossroads because I don't think that A&M – I, I wouldn't have said this coming in the year, but what we've seen, A&M's not that far behind LSU or Tennessee. No. So Alabama getting those two teams at home, I think that that washes the fact that Tennessee and LSU might still be a scotch better uh, over A&M. But then again, I mean, LSU's lost twice, so don't be so sure of that. And uh, so, so anyway, it'd be a really close game. I still lean towards Alabama, but – Definitely the talent dictates that this could be uh, something to keep an eye on. We've also not talked much about LSU. That is Auburn's next opponent. Again, that game, LSU-Missouri, 11 a.m. will be on our airwaves, on the on our sister station's airwaves, FM Talk 93.9 at 11 a.m. via Touchdown Radio. Appreciate the partnership we have with not only them but Compass Media. So that game can be heard on the Tiger Communications family of radio stations. So LSU-Missouri. Missouri is ranked higher. Would have not thought that <laughs> no. coming into the year. Can Missouri keep riding that home momentum, a place they did beat Kansas State in? And can LSU stop somebody? Like, just act like they have a defense. You know they have the talent to play defense. Uh, I Like, for me, Cam, like, I'm looking at this like, I don't even know if I care if LSU wins or not. I want to see other defense looks. Right. Like, I know Jaden Daniels can play. That offense has been fine. Neighbors is awesome. Like, they'll score points, period, on just about anybody. Play some defense. Have some pride. I mean, I don't want him to against Auburn. No, I'm sorry. Let me back that up. Please don't play defense. Please don't have pride. <laughs> but to this point, like, I, I honestly question right. their pride right. defensively. Yeah. That's how yeah. bad it's been. Yeah, it, it's been very, very bad to watch their defense. It, it's been extremely tough. Um, they they did have the, the solid defensive game uh, at Mississippi State. But, you know, that was, I feel like, more <laughs> – 
give me a shrug. That was definitely more to do with Mississippi State's lack of offense. Yeah, changing than, their offensive yeah, than, style and stuff. Than, yeah. uh, than LSU's ability to really shut down their defense. Uh, hopefully they've figured out that they need to put Harold Perkins on the uh, edge so that he can, you know, rush the passer, which is something that he's, you know, very good right. at. Um, so uh, that should probably help with your defense just a little bit. But overall, yeah, they've struggled really, really bad to be able to um, uh, stop anybody on defense. However, I'm very, very happy that Mizzou is ranked. I, I feel, you know, it's just like seeing somebody that <laughs> is just it, good for them, you know, just good for them overall. It, it, it's uh, I just I'm happy to see them ranked. That being said, I am expecting them to take their first loss today. <laughs> good uh, for you, yeah, good but for not you, this not, weekend. Not this yeah. weekend. It's just not I, – I, I, I think Brady Cook is really good. He hasn't thrown an interception yet this season. Um, but still, I, I just I think that Jaden Daniels and that offense, they're just, I mean, much better, much more talented. They have, I mean, Mizzou's got the talent, and I mean, honestly, their 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 leading receiver has more receiving yards than Malik Neighbors, um, in in um, uh, Luther Burton. Luther Burton, yeah. yeah, he's he's really really good. Um, and and the the Mizzou d- offense kind of seems to be firing on a on a very good level, but. I just think that that talent is going to the talent overall is going to outweigh um, for uh, the talent for LSU is going to outweigh uh, the talent that the Mizzou Tigers have. So I, I'm gl- I'm happy for them. You know I I do. I, I do think that they could end up having a pretty solid season. I don't know. I'm not going to estimate how many games they're going to win or lose yet, um, but I do think this will be their first loss. And if they prove me wrong and, and this ends up being a win for, for Mizzou, then sets up that, a big I mean, Georgia-Missouri yeah, game randomly. Yeah. Randomly, yes, right? <laughs> Very randomly. And I, I don't know if they have to go to Athens or how that is. I I, I if they have to go to Athens, then that's definitely a, a loss. But I think they, I think, I think Georgia came to them last year. Yeah, they have to go to Athens, so that'll definitely be a tough, tough, tough game. Yeah, that'll be a loss. So, um, as unfortunate as Georgia's it is. actually got a couple ranked teams after all, right. but they're still in Athens. Right, yeah. but they're still in Athens, so they still luck out with that. So. Um, it'll be a good game. It'll be fun to watch. Another 11 a.m. kickoff, so I'll probably be switching around um, between the Red River Red River rivalry and and this game just to kind of see how it goes and um, uh, peep that a little bit. So we'll see. It, but it should be a fun one. I don't think I'm not expecting a blowout just because uh, LSU's defense can't stop anybody. Um, but if if Missouri's def- offense can can you know kind of match them a little bit uh, stride for stride, I just think that. That overall, LSU is just going to be able to score more points. Sure, uh, and look, I, I still think that. I still think, and again, immense credit to Missouri because they have done a good job. Again, it's well above what I thought it would. I mean, they're almost to the win total where I said they need to get for the season to make Eli Drinkwitz get another year. I mean, like again, it's right. It's uh, it's definitely a patently good job by them so far. And I did want to clarify, by the way, Georgia Missouri's not till November fourth, okay, so okay. I think I so, said it was next week, but so, it's still three weeks away. Right? Because so, what year is this for Drinkwitz? Three, four, four, four. So I think yeah. Eh, I mean, solidly on the timeline, right? I mean, for what Mizzou can do, has done will do you know <laughs> I, I mean that's right along the lines of okay this program you're 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 fully ingrained and and this is your squad now so i mean 
Yeah, good for them. Yeah, it is year four after year four? years of yeah. five and five, six and seven, six and seven. They're finally hit. Uh, so finally above five hundred in his overall tenure. But yeah, no, I, I still think though this game. I hate to do this Missouri because again they are five and zero oh, and right. they are ranked. This game's still about LSU for me though. I mean, like they still need at the end of the day. I need to see if LSU can play some defense. Like they are on the right. road. It's not necessitated that they're going to play great defense. They've got all this talent. They had high expectations. We were going 1A, 1B with them in Alabama. And this is the type of game that they might not have cared about too much coming in the season. Oh, we're at Missouri. Who cares? It's not even a West right. team. We don't right. have any history with them. They're not usually any good. Like, this is the prototypical I don't care game. Well, guess what? LSU should care. Because Missouri's ranked ahead of them, yeah. and if LSU loses, they are three and three yeah. off a team that I thought would go four yeah. would be nine and three. The right. absolute worst right. would be nine and three, and yet they might do that in the first half of the season. So, I, I I think this is a pride game for them. They need to be playing better defense, um, and and just kind of a a, a pride game for them because at the end of the day, as stupid as it might sound. They're in a better situation, for the most part, than Ole Miss is in the conference. And why? Because although their loss is to Ole Miss, they haven't played Alabama yet. And Ole Miss still has got to play Georgia. So if Ole Miss loses to Georgia, that's the second loss. Else you don't have to worry about that if they win out. And if they win out, they actually control their destiny if Ole Miss loses to Georgia because yep. then they beat Bama. And they have one loss tiebreaker over Alabama in the, in the West. Like, LSU's actually still, as disappointing as they are, not in a horrible position in the SEC. Well, start acting like it right. and start playing with some defense, unless you're playing Auburn. So, I mean, again, <laughs> overall, that's what I want to see out of them. Do they get mad? Do they get frustrated? Do they figure out, like, this is not who they should have been this year? That, that's what I'm watching for in that game. We're going to take one final timeout of the show. When we come back, a what to watch for over the weekend and a nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Canberry with you here on this Friday. Last few minutes for you of the show for the day and for the week. Certainly, again, appreciate everyone for tuning in throughout today's show or throughout the week. Again, if you miss anything at all or if you want to hear something, again, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Also want to remind you that coming up in just under an hour, Tim Sin and the guys for Beauregard High School football. Another Friday night bout of action after the bye week last week. They're up in Silicaga. 
Uh, as a region game, Borgard can feel really good about their playoff chances if they can beat Silicaga. Silicaga has not won in two years, from what I understand. So a great opportunity for the Hornets tonight on the road. Just about an hour jaunt up 280. And no Smith Station Panthers on FM Talk 93.9 tonight. They having, they're having their bye week, but still want to tune in to FM Talk 93.9 at 10 o'clock tonight for the high school scoreboard show, the Alabama High School Athletic Association scoreboard show, and catch up on all the scores from the area from the uh, from from here to all across the state. I think it's tonight's Auburn Opelika night over there in Opelika, so that's always a big one. So a lot of big scores to keep you abreast of. And uh, all football season, Cam, just flying straight by. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I can't believe we're almost at the halfway point of the football season, man. It's been a lot going on. I'm just glad the NFL goes much longer than this. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just been a lot of different trends, and it's been very interesting that that these teams are, are, you know, these top top 25 teams, or excuse me, these top teams uh, that have come up and and I mean you know surprise people uh, here and there as I I, th- I feel like Penn State for me was one that has really surprised me so far this season. Um, I, I'm very I I was not very high on them being good and then here they are undefeated and with a chance to win the big. Uh, Big Ten or like continue to compete in the Big Ten. So, uh, you know, shout out to James Franklin. I, I mean, I just wasn't expecting that. And, and uh, you know, the same with LSU. They've been very disappointing. And I know we talked about that in the last segment, but their defense has just been atrocious. And, and for them to not even be able to defend anybody uh, is just rough. And that's not going to be a way for them to compete or win a championship. I know they've already got two losses, so it's kind of like – a moot point at this point that they're not going to be in the top four, but still uh, it's disappointing and, and they still have a chance to compete in the West if they can get right on defense. So a few more minutes left in the show today and uh, we have time for one more phone call on the orthopedic clinic phone line. So let's go right back there. Sean. Sean is with us. Sean, how are you this afternoon? Hey guys. How are you, how are you doing, hey, man? How are you doing? I lost my weight. You you lost some weight. Yeah. Okay. Forty-eight uh, pounds. Okay, Whoa. that's awesome, man. It's nice. You've been working out. I'm on that medicine. Say that one more time. I'm on that uh that that pill. Okay. Ah. All right, I got you. Well, then that's working out pretty well. Then. Are y'all fired? Oh, man, we're all fired on a Friday, too. Let us go just before the weekend. We almost made it. <laughs> Guess well, I'm at right now. Where are you? A high school football game. A high school football game. Where? What you watching tonight? Uh, Tallahassee at Naked. Okay. You got watching Tallahassee tonight. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, good day. All right, Sean. Well, we appreciate your phone call today. All right. Are y'all fired? We're all fired. And JJ. And JJ. I'll tell JJ uh, he's fired, too. We appreciate the phone call, Sean. All right. That is Sean joining us from Tallahassee. Good to hear from Sean this afternoon. Again, just a couple minutes left in the show. I hadn't heard from Sean in a while. But, again, want to real quickly get to a sports call, what to watch for over the weekend. 
Uh, Cam, again, we've been discussing a lot of those college football matchups, some good ones here this weekend, even on Auburn's bye week. Yeah, I got some real good ones going on. LSU at Missouri, uh, and then and then we've also got uh, Ole Miss, or excuse me, uh, Texas A&M and Alabama. That one's going to be one to absolutely watch for. Uh, if Bama can win that game, then, you know, I I, uh, I think I agree with Ryan. No, they'll have a pretty smooth sailing uh week for or excuse me season for the rest of the season Texas A&M again I mean they're only four and one they have plenty of opportunity to go out and I know they're two and oh in the conference but they have plenty of uh, opportunity to continue um, a trend uh, they only have one loss so it should be a good one and then you got the Texas Oklahoma game man that one's going to be a, a great one in the Red River rivalry uh, the last one in the Big 12 before both of those teams move into the SEC uh, so absolutely should be a good one and I mean we've got a whole bunch of good games man uh, I, I'm excited to watch as much as I can uh, uh, myself absolutely uh, also that was uh, one real quickly Matt wanted to, uh, Matt from Tallahassee who calls on Monday wanted to pass along that uh, we're all rehired and uh, that JJ's rehired too <laughs> and we're in fact not fired so that's good news uh, just before the weekend final minute or two of the show uh, one more what to watch for over the weekend. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. Just want to bring this up as we continue to go through the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs as we've had some NASCAR drivers on throughout the summer, but they take their talents to the Charlotte Roval this weekend in Charlotte, just where a lot of those NASCAR teams are located. Used to be on the Oval for both races, been going to the Roval for the Bank of America 400 the last seven or eight years, and always very excited by that uh, that road course. So looking forward to that one in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. Final minute or two of the show today, time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Got some college football tonight. We start off at 6 o'clock on ESPNU with Cornell and Harvard. It's a little Ivy League action right there. Nice. 6.30 on ESPN, Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Big one for Kansas State. They're currently unranked but still 4-1. and one. That's the big victory for Missouri this year. Uh, so, and Oklahoma State's been struggling mightily. Also, women's college volleyball, 6 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus. It's number 9, Florida, and number 25, Auburn. And a couple movie picks for you, 6 o'clock on Bravo. It's Back to the Future 3. And then 6.30 on TNT, it's Independence Day 2. So, some sequels uh, for you on the Nightly TV Guide. And that will do it for Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, which is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for Sports Call for today and for the week. Cam, thank you for being here. Yeah. I appreciate everything that you do for us, and we'll see you again next week. See you next week. Glad to be here, man. And, of course, we always appreciate all those that tuned in and called in throughout the show today and throughout the show for the week. For Cam Berry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Stay tuned. High school football coming up right after this. We appreciate everyone for tuning in. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.